Long days of summer are here. He's wearing a nice orange-yellow shirt. Is that orange-yellow? It's orange. Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, July 13th, 2021, alongside clicking Ian Ferguson. Tap the tap those buttons, Ian. I'm Pat Contry. On the show today, we're going to be talking about... Couldn't do that before the podcast? We'll be talking about heritage auction results that I barely was made aware of. You know, I don't know. It almost slipped past my radar about a record-selling, multiple record-selling high prices that at was, auction. That was one hell of an attempt at sarcasm, Patrick. Um, <clears throat> we'll also be talking about uh, in television and a Nintendo Life article and accusations made directly against us. And... Patreon poll topic and voice messages. Ian, how is your weekend? Your weekend update. It was lovely. I had a uh, surf in California. <laughs> it's gonna be a soundboard heavy day. Brevity. Um, had a surf in California burrito yesterday from Lucha Libre Taco. A surfing surf California. in California. What makes it surfing? They throw shrimp in. Shrimp steak, fries. Well, it's usually carne asada. Right? Chipotle sauce. But they throw this. Ooh, that's fresh avocado. Just whole hunks of fresh avocado. Oh. Yeah, it's really good. I like Lucha Libre. I don't think I everything they do there is the best. Some people seem to think they're overrated. It's funny. It's one of those places that when they first came to San Diego and opened up, it was the talk of the town. And then like four years later, it's the place that's popular to be like, oh, it's not that good. It's good. Like Hodad's? Hodad's is really not. I mean, even from it's fa- my, f- it's fast food. Hodad's is fine. It, it's it's not it's not the best burger you're ever going to eat. That's down the street. Um, but the uh, surf in California that they do at Lucha Libre is is stupendous. Um, it's colossal. It's terrific. It's very big. It's colossal. It's terrific. It's stupendous. Um, also did a little record shopping. Oh, did quite a bit of crocheting, and uh, we saw an old pail. An old friend. We saw an old pal. Like he's Yoda dying in, in Return of the Jedi. Our, our buddy John D. Uh, John D., former co-head of RetroWare, co-director and producer of Video Game Years, avid whiskey aficionado. John D. Yeah. Hadn't seen John in th- at least three years. I talked to John um, online back and oh, forth every once in a while, but I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen him in person probably since 2014, so... Oh yeah, we talk. Well, we crazy. talk about we talk about you know video game years biz, business, and uh, we 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 talk about it one every two or three weeks. But it's good seeing a person face to face. Yes, commiserating. Mm-hmm. We get, we got some nice uh, fish tacos, some some spectacular nachos, some of the best nachos you'll ever have in your life. Uh, and it was great. We didn't get a picture of it though. We got a picture of the nachos. I guess that was more important. We didn't get a picture with John. I that yeah. Was, and we're like, ah, whatever. We take too many pictures in the social media age. No one's gonna watch all these pictures. That's for the aliens to analyze our culture when we're gone. When we vaporize ourselves. Like, oh, how these people live through. Everyone took billions of pictures of their life. You know, it's ridiculous. It used to be, used to be when we were kids. And back in my day, we took pictures like three times a year. That's yeah, all it was. Take them on Christmas, birthdays. Some, some family gatherings. That's it. That's it. That's all you need. Your life's and I not managed that important. to avoid the camera, which is why there's like no pictures of me during my high school years. <laughs> our lives aren't that important to be recording every single day, every meal. Every, they're not. Yeah, it's a waste. Pictures of me, it's like a bunch of pictures of me as a baby and a child. And then maybe... There's like two? <laughs> maybe 30 pictures in total from my like ages 5 to iPhone. And then, <laughs> iPhone is a billion. and then iPhone a billion afterwards. Yeah, and you never see those pictures again. It's like having, it's like having you know, 
a Raspberry Pi with a billion games. You're but, never going to play like more than one percent of it. It's them. why I get so pissed yeah. when like people pull out their phones to take like videos of fireworks or to like instead of or, watching it or to catch thirty seconds of like a band at a concert. No one, you're not going to watch that. No. I promise you, none of your friends want to see it. No. You're doing it because you're you're like you, some fear of missing out. But yeah. fucking put the phone down and enjoy it. They've you, done studies that you have say, memories. They've done studies that say people who are focused on recording it more remember less of the actual. I believe event. that because it's like a weird filter, and you're like looking. Yeah. Through, you're not concentrating on the event. You're not itself. experiencing it. Yeah, you're concentrating on recording the event. It's like you're taking yourself. You're like separating yourself from the event by recording it. It's really weird, and that's why I, whenever I go to an event, I try to do that. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll shoot a little bit of something, but like for fireworks, I just want to see the sky. I don't want to watch it through a fucking little little screen. If I'm seeing a band, like if they've got a cool stage set up, I might try to get like one or two quick pictures of it. But recording, ask yourself this when you're recording these videos. Who's going to watch it? Who do you think actually wants to watch it? Are you ever going to watch no. it? Have you ever watched no. them? Then put your phone back in your no. fucking pocket. When I went to the Padres game, I, I think I took like a couple of pictures when I first got there. Then I put my phone away and just watched the best picture potentially the past 50 years play and I immersed myself in the environment phone. I used my phone to order food to my seat. That was it. That's, that's all I did. Well, what are we talking about? We're old men. Yes. That was, that was a weekend. Yeah. Weekend. Uh, do anything else? Playing, you do any gaming? Freaking weekend. Uh, did I do any gaming? Um, no. Okay. No, did a lot. Oh no. I did a lot of crochet this weekend. That's oh, what I did. So I did. Okay. We're working on like a hoodie crocheted hoodie working on a project for vani and i just finished up a, a project for uh, two friends that we know actually that we both know okay mm-hmm. all right um uh, i'm trying to think if i did anything else i think i watched some tv caught up on sleep as much as i could um i was a little worn out um yeah i did a few n64 stuff i i have two n64 games left to play on my list my allotment again i'm not the one doing all that i'm doing about uh, between five and six percent of the game reviews for this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad, Ian. I like I like the the pastel, the neon pastel looking sore away. Uh, yeah, that's what I did this weekend, and you know, trying to try to stay in a what is it, the hot guy summer shape? Trying to hot guy <laughs> summer, hot guy summer. Uh, what is gonna be schlubby sh- guy summer? That's <laughs> that would have helped me in the past. Um. Want to talk about this woman's I giant do. handheld collection? Yes. Um, so uh, this is from the uh, article at Kotaku. Black woman gets two world records for her vast vintage gaming collection. Um, I saw this going around, and that's that's very cool. Um, I, I don't honestly pay a whole lot of attention to Guinness oh. World Records. Puck Monster. Okay. Uh, yeah, I thought that said something else, <laughs> that's too. They, that's, that's why they changed it. That's why they changed Punk Man. Uh, Puck Man. Yeah, um, but this is this is pretty big for two reasons. One, you don't often see a lot of black women in the gaming space, so it's always nice to see um, that, especially such an impressive collection. But it's not just saying just vast vintage gaming collection is, I think, a little. Uh, it doesn't really highlight what it is. It's mostly old LCD and LED handheld games from um, the 70s and 80s. Um, and I think into the 90s as well. But this particularly interests me because this is the shit that I love so much. So this is like um, the Mattel uh, sports games. This is the old like Epoch, you know, uh, VFD Pac-Man games. Sure. Um, there's, there's the tabletop Coleco ones on the shelf there. Yep. The woman's name is uh, Linda uh, Guillory. 
Um, and she uh, now holds two records uh, for holding for owning 1,599 LCD gaming systems and 2,430 playable gaming systems. Oh, she has Ring King Data East in the, in the package. I know they had one. Um, the uh, okay. 2,430 playable gaming systems includes the LCD games uh, and other LC, uh, handheld standalone games. Um, it talks about how she got into it. Um, how she found um, a uh, conic uh, basketball game. Uh, it was broken in 1979, so when she was a kid, she took it apart and fixed it so she oh, could play it. Good for her. Um, and she rec- and then she got into the actual like hardcore collecting because she was talking to her brother over about um, who was better at the Coleco tabletop Pac-Man machine, and it caused her to go out and buy one to see if she was still any good at it, and the the rest followed. Oh. So mm-hmm. that's very cool. I, I'm I'm happy to see it, and it's it's a really I like it because it's a unique, interesting collection. A lot of right. times when we get this news on these collections, these Guinness Book of World Records, you know, someone with the most games in the world, it's because they padded it out with we shovelware, you know, and Garbage stuff like that. that no we, we've about. seen that a lot of times. People who are buying the ninety-nine cent sports games, you know, and and using that to pad out their collection. And I, it's not to sound rude, but that's not interesting to me. You're literally just trying to get a number so you can say you've got a number. You're not collecting stuff. I I don't believe that you're collecting the stuff that you want to. You're not curating an interesting collection. Um, this is an example of doing that, and I think it's very cool. Uh, she even has. I, I I get impressed by the boxed handhelds. Like f- finding the boxes. She has. Let's see the Burger Time handheld there. She's got there in the box. It looks like there's a Pengo one. Um, she also has like NES games on the shelf. So she collects other stuff. Obviously, she has. She has a, a like Mario merchandise. Some of the weird stuff they put out that you, it's harder to find. So, uh, there's like a Cubert looking like trash can on her shelf. So she's obviously into other stuff here. She has, but she has the watches. All displayed nicely. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, obviously, it harkens back to uh, good old uh, Charles from PRGE, as he was the main handheld person I ever knew. He, I, I can't imagine how many games he had. He sold them. He sold them all off. Though, I one year I bought like forty from him. You know, so like, there's not many people out here that are into this stuff that, to this extent. There's a what's that King Kong one? That looks interesting. Yeah, it, it's interesting because it's it's like these were toys to people. So it, it, even though. They're like primarily toys, but also, I guess, video games to an extent. So they're not covered as much as traditional video games, like the handhelds. But, I, but yeah, Ian likes them. I like them. Um, so, yeah, check out the article. Check out the article here. And uh, KO Boxing. Yeah, I, didn't even heard, I haven't heard of some of these. This is incredible. But anyone that you stuck out from the video that you watched that like, okay, that's a cool one I'd want to have or I, I, it's it's all cool to me. I really like seeing that stuff just in the boxes and stuff like that. She have, is that Game Boy games on the shelf or just NES? I try, kind of hard. I think it's just NES. She has boxed NES games on the shelf. She has like like a Super Nintendo sign, so she's into she's into this stuff, obviously. God, I love I love I love some of this stuff, the early eighties uh, stuff. The weird company stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh this is an interesting little thing that came to our attention from uh, good old Daniel Winter Ion Studios. If by interesting uh, you uh, mean disgusting and well, gross, okay. um, player one, W uh, O N, uh, player one, uh, stupid name, um, is a basically it's a program that's going to allow marketers to be able to start running video ads within console and uh, PC games. Um, 
I guess it, it, it's it's an interesting idea depending on where it's used, but I, I still don't like how ads are just absolutely permeating everything that we think we've purchased and owned. Um, goes back to we didn't talk about it on here, but you know, a few weeks ago there was uh, discussion about how the Oculus Rift or the Oculus Quest is going to start having ads, even though it's a paid for product to be in the fucking whatever um so this is something that allows ads to be streamed during gameplay but unlike an ad just being streamed say on a billboard or something in the game um this is going to give players the option to watch like a 10 or 15 second ad um to gain something in game um Simul Media, the creators of this program, have struck deals with Electronic Arts, uh, Tencent's High Res Studios, um, and you know, so this would be able to, like I said, uh, who knows how this will be used? But for instance, you could watch a few ads in Madden and get coins to put towards Ultimate Team Packs or, or okay. something like that. That's They're giving you some reward for, you know. Um, my problem is it's still invasive if you have to constantly be like no i don't want to watch this ad no i don't want to watch this ad uh, yeah i only understand that when it's like free to play game yeah if it's, it's like, a free yeah, to play game it. i get it but if it's money. a game that i've actually paid for yeah there dirty. are some people who are going to be fine with it in the terms of madden if it means like i said getting them you know if it discounts them you know packs or something well, if I but don't care. to me yeah exactly if, if you don't care um it's just annoying and it's going to push people away uh, especially a lot of these sports games where they just seem like they're constantly asking you say, for your money at all times. You say push people away, but like there was a time when people used to boo at the movie theater commercials. They, they oh, I know commercials before trailers. I know that I was I was like, alive like twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, when they started doing that. People would boo those. Yeah, but then it's like you're used to it. Now they run like run ads up until the trailers. Like they make their money. They run like ten minutes of ads. Then you get the trailers. Your movie doesn't start till like twenty minutes after the actual time start time. I always bring this up to just kind of. Uh, cast in a light how how quickly this all changed but i remember in 2008 when street fighter 4 got released i remember the absolute uproar and pushback when they announced they were releasing their first downloadable costumes pack people are like this is fucking stupid this is the stuff that used to be available for free in games when you were good enough to unlock it etc etc and agreed but even within a couple of years that was just common and now no one no one says anything. It's it's just it's it's what it is. If you did it, if your fighting game didn't have downloadable costume packs, people would ask people you what the fuck strange. you were doing. Right. Yeah, it's a new revenue stream. Uh, games as a service, Ian. We can thank Capcom and that's that's even a little different. Well, that's like your Destiny and your stuff like that, where it's sure. basically an online service that you're subscribing. Yeah, to. it's it's really it's really more uh, that was more probably smartphone games and free to play games and smartphones and consoles are like, why don't we have models like that where you're constantly giving us a little bit of cash all the time? And it works. That's the reason why Rockstar ain't rushing to get out GTA Six anytime soon. What the hell rush do they have? You yeah, know what I mean. They they announced. I think I saw something like 2026. It's coming out. It's like, like that'll be how much years in between? Like 16, my, my understanding is there years has, in between games. And I think even that's just still speculation because my understanding is there has not been an official announcement on Grand Theft Auto Six. I could be. But wrong. a game like that takes like four years to make, though. So like, whenever they announce they're starting to work on it, you're not going to see it for years and years. Right. So, yeah, it's a brave new world, Dean. What are you gonna? What are you gonna? What are you gonna do? Right. Um. Well, you can always head over to UltimateNintendo.com. If you're feeling down about games as a service, uh, where you purchase things directly, no service here, but but good items like books, NES and Super Nintendo guidebooks, enamel pins, 
T-shirts. RBI baseball stickers. I got an offer recently from someone. And this isn't the push. It's someone inquired about buying the entire roll. And I'm like, dude, I can't do that just because I don't know how many are there, and I un- I can't put put the you know the, the, I can't put the toothpaste back in the in the cap. I can't unroll that and roll it back up easily. No, so I'm I sorry, and I I don't want to make judgments on this person, but anyone who's like that eager to do it, I think smells money and thinks they're gonna do something with it. Like, no, what can you do with those? Eating? I don't know, but people are trying to fucking scheme and game things all the time. Uh, then a water grade, no. water grade my labels. No, you don't need a whole roll of stickers. Hey. Pat doesn't need the whole roll of hey, stickers. Hey, I'm still negotiating with some point, so let's let's go easy on my potential customer here. But but we might work out a deal for some. Not I'm not getting rid of the whole roll because again, I can't count them. There could be a thousand on here, eight hundred, two thousand. I have no idea. I sold 150 and it did not make a dent. It made like that much dent. 150. It's the same size practically. It's amazing. But anyway, that's at ultimateintendo.com. I'm also going to be on on Twitch Wednesday. Uh, twitch.tv slash country code. We watch 80s commercials. Ian shows up every seven months and says hi in it. And we love him for it. Um, but we, we, showing up once was a mistake. Why was it a mistake? Because <laughs> now I'm going to hear about the one time I showed yeah, that's up. That's right, Ian. Of the no times I that's showed right. up. Um, and then I'm on Cameo, cameo.com slash Pat Country for all your um, roasting and birthday and wedding anniversary needs. No, uh, no breakups yet. Have not done a breakup. For all your foot needs, what your foot? No, stuff. no, I'm not. No, we're not getting to that. That that yeah, no. no don't ask for f- foot pictures. I saw, I saw a Twitter, a, a Twitter post the other day that made me no. think of you because someone was just like, "Why is it whenever someone has a fetish and they request something, they always frame it as a joke?" <laughs> because <laughs> like, yeah, that's how you always know that it's a fetish thing, though. If someone tries to ask you to do something weird and they're overly leaning into the ha ha, it's for a joke. No, it's because they want to jerk off to it. No, I, I well, I, well yeah, I guess women can jerk up as well in this case, um, in in a way. But um, I don't mind it. But that's not the platform for it. That's the whole point. It's like I'm not advertising it. I'm not advertising that. If I'm advertising it, yes, you ask me. But that's not the platform. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't do it on. That's what I'm getting. At. You don't do it on Cameo. It's not a sexual platform. It's not what it's for. You know. But OnlyFans coming soon. As soon as I well, I put on five pounds. I think due to the protein from. Uh, just take it off and take the pictures, Pat. You want me to do that in the pictures, Ian? No. What What if one day you woke up and all of a sudden I had, had without telling you, I didn't tell you, I had just a fucking naked, nude, sexual OnlyFans. What would honestly be your reaction? Would you say I went off the deep end? Would you support me? What would you do? I, I I'm have, actually curious. I have good friends who have done porn multiple times. I would not give a shit. But you do a podcast with me, so like, would 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 that affect you, or you wouldn't? I would not. You go, care. you go, you go, boy. Would you say that? I I do not care. Oh no, I have friends that on OnlyFans. You know, like I'm just saying, for me, would it be a weird dynamic between us going forward? If you know, like, I was sticking bananas in myself or whatever. I'm not uh, saying I do that, but no. Okay, that 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 inches me towards that line a little. Or that Ian's okay with it, you know. I I really don't care what you do. As you don't care as what it's, I do. Uh, not illegal. Okay. You don't want me to harm not, myself. Not though. hurting anyone. Not hurting yourself. You don't want me to be like a cutter, like that sort of sexual thing. If you want to, if you want to do a banana, do a banana. I think banana would be doing me technically. You can change the <laughs> roles <laughs> with that fruit. You're not doing that fruit. It's hard to do that fruit. Sexual freedom. All right, Cubert replicate. <laughs> um, we'll go. I didn't want to necessarily talk about this, uh, but then I did. 
Pat put it on here, and we we're like, should we he cut things? And I was like, able to talk about my potential OnlyFans. And Pat was like, we could probably cut this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we could probably cut this. But and then, then I read about reading. it, and I wanted to bring it up. I wanted to bring it up because these. Uh, the, so this is um, the same company that did the uh, Dragon's Lair replicate that we talked about. New Wave Toys. The replicate is the line. They're what one six size? I forget one sixth. So they're like um, a foot. So I really liked the uh, Dragon's Lair one, and what I liked about it most was the weird attention to detail, the fake Laserdisc player that was in the back, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. also they recreated the um, the unique scoreboard that's on Dragon's Lair. Um, but so the Qbert one, I, I feel like bringing it up just because they really went all out for this too. So there's two versions that they're offering, uh, the standard Qbert and uh, then the um, Warren Davis edition. Warren Davis is the guy who made Qbert. Uh, and the Warren Davis edition uh, looks similar, but it, it, it's, it's the prototype version. It's the one that apparently he still has in his house. Oh, it's wow. got different, uh, slightly more generic um, side art. And the marquee uh, looks like the side art on the original. So instead of saying Qbert across the front of it, it has the, you know, uh, the the Qbert the voice rant, swear rant, rant. with the swirls and the exclamation rant, points rant, rant. and stuff like that. No, um, no. So that's cool. It also comes with um, the fatter, fatter, <laughs> P-H-A-T? Faster, harder, more challenging Qbert, which was what? apparently an unreleased sequel that Warren Davis himself made. Warren, are you a madman? More challenging so I was actually going to bring that up. I feel like Qbert uh, is plenty freaking challenging in and of itself. However, I've watched plenty of people who are good at Qbert, including my best friend growing up's mother, mm-hmm. and they just play it like. Bah. I, I it must you get be, into it. It must be get, one of those games where if you figure out yeah, the patterns and stuff like that, it, there's a rhythm I, and it's much easier. I've never gotten to the point where I've learned the rhythm, so I, I understand. I've definitely seen people who can sleepwalk. Let's put, through let's put it this way: I think it's easier to get good at that, a game like that versus Pac-Man uh, because a game like this, you can it, it's. It's it's not memorizing keys. You can react to how the enemies are, and if you put a gun into my head, I can probably on one quarter get to like the fifth stage of Qbert. You know, I I can't probably get to the fifth stage of Pac Man. You know, oh, see, very different. I can get to the fifth oh, okay. stage of Pac Man. I can't get to the fifth stage of okay. Qbert. So not Q-Bert, a chance in hell. Qbert appeals to me more than that. Uh, that than than Pac Man. But uh, but it's but one but you once you get into like oh you got to change these fucking cubes three or four times, then it's like holy shit. Yeah. Uh, but the main thing I wanted to bring up is in the original Qbert arcade machine, uh, and I, if you, if when you die, if you fall in the original run, um, if you fall, there's a a knocker. So knockers, um, this was made by Gottlieb. Gottlieb makes a lot of pinball machines. Knockers are common in pinball. It's a solenoid. Uh, that they put up against the wood and when you would score an extra ball or a special in pinball, it would fire off that solenoid. So this, you know, fucking piece of metal would go slamming into the it would just crack, wood like pneumatically and, yep, and pneumatically knock on the wood so in Qbert when you fall off the uh, the side um, there's a delay and then you hear a knock in the bottom of the cam- cabinet like, like Qbert fell. fell off that's the adorable. It, it's hilarious it's awesome um, and it's in the replicate cabinet that's, that's the main reason I wanted to bring it up um, it's, it's the stupid attention to detail like that that takes me from being like okay they're neat well, but I don't need to talk about it to uh, that's the sort of shit that makes people spend the money on these. Yeah, and this is why, you know, it's, um, let's see, 130 for the regular one, the 150 if you want the the uh, Warren Davis one, or both for 275 And it's like, eh, if you're into this, you know, we have a, we have a crazy friend who loves all things Qbert. He got on board, both yep. of them. So it's like, I understand that. 
Um, I, I totally understand what these are for. We've gone through them a few times, and yeah, these aren't again. These aren't the fucking twenty dollars pieces of crap in Target. No, and I, I and like uh, I own one. Um, someone I, I I talked about it on the podcast, but after we covered the Dragons Lair one, someone very kindly offered to send me theirs. They were moving. They realized they didn't need it. They sent it to me, and as this is not something no I would have gone. Really needs this stuff, but yeah, yeah. I I would not have gone out of my way to buy one, but now that I have one, believe me, I get it. They really are stupidly nice. Did you get a protector sleeve for the little mini laser disc? Put a little, little mini. <laughs> put it ah, in your yeah, it's in the little mini disc laser play, laser disc player. Um, so yeah, they're nice. If this is something that does appeal to you, I, I, I can. And this is not an ad. I can say they're really fucking nice. So that, so uh, so it wasn't a phone thing for the LED. There's actually a separate LED thing on the Dragon's Lair on the front. It, it's it's an. I mean, I'm sure it's just one LED that they space the numbers out on, but it's got the actual like brackets and everything, so it looks like all the separated. Okay. Scoreboard. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. Did you beat it on that? No. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's not good at Qbert, but he's good at Dragon's Lair. That's you know, Ian. I still get surprised at Ian every every week on the podcast. I learned new. Things I uh, I spent like two weeks playing it on the Replicate specifically just to beat it on You're the right, Replicate. Yeah, joystick's nice, nice and clicky. Yeah, yeah, it little, works. Little nice. micro switch on there. Well, nice. That's good. Well, Ian, after you, after you uh, play your Dragon's Lair, you can go to the Nintendo Cafe for a nice drink. You can relax. So according to uh, IGN. Um, a secret Nintendo cafe in Japan is open to the public for the first time. It was previously only for video game developers, now open to bookings for anyone. Uh, reported by Bloomberg, the cafe known as 84 is owned and operated by ex-Nintendo employee Toru Hashimoto and was created as a members-only cafe for video game developers. A cafe located in Shibuya at a still-secret address has been forced to reevaluate its operating model as a result of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and is now taking reservations and customers from outside the industry. Huh. It's like a speakeasy for, for, for Nintendo speakeasy. This is, this is so <laughs> weird. Um, Hashimoto originally wanted 84 to be a place for Nintendo's game devs to relax in a video game themed environment that wasn't in the company offices. It's still, very, it still very much retains a Nintendo focus, however, with art and doodles from various Nintendo games framed on the walls. Wow. And a Legend of Zelda jingle playing as you walk through the door. It's probably, probably the secret mm-hmm. you know, when you get, yeah. you get an item. Uh, that's 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 amazing. Yeah, that's cute. Eighty four comes in the year Hashimoto joined Nintendo. That makes sense. I was thinking about that. And many of the items, and decorations in the cafe are related to his time there. Uh, he left Nintendo in two thousand, excuse me, in ninety five, and opened the cafe uh, ten years later in two thousand fifteen. That's tw- twenty years. Okay, that's their their pat math is off there. Apparently, he opened the cafe exclusively for friends because he didn't have much experience in the hospitality business. Wow. So um, that's really awesome. Yeah. So like, oh, this is. I, I used to work at Nintendo. I'm opening a cafe. I'm catering to people I love in, in the industry. And stay out, you dirt, you dirty humanoids out there. It's just for for video game people. It's fantastic. But then I'll be opened up to uh, a wider audience. This is like that fucking. Uh, this reminds me of that weird uh, secret Disney thing, Club Thirty Three. Yeah, where it's like you gotta like. I think it's thirty three. You can't get into it easily. You need to be a member. And you get the best. I have a friend food. who's been also, on a wait list for ten years. But it's it's like the employees. I think the wait list is something like insane. It's for like the employees, but also like the, it's for like celebrities and and for like people that pay money. It's it's like a, it's like a twenty five thousand dollar a year membership. Yeah, not hundred thousand a year membership. It's very expensive. This reminds me of that, but this isn't like you know through the nose ridiculous. You know that's just like well that's like just you know sh- showing off how much money you have to be able to say like oh I can eat. Exclusively in, in the freaking back lot of Disney somewhere, you know, 
which I'm sure the food is great. I'm sure. I'm sure it's not food. a back lot. It's tucked oh. away in the park. Oh, I mean, you right. can actually walk by the door if you know where to look. It's I believe it's in the French Quarter, the fake French Quarter. Sure. You know what I mean, though. It's like sure. Is that amazing though? And, and then you go in there, and it's like I guess ritzy and glamorous, and you dress up. You'll see Don Cheadle in there talking about his Emmy nomination for two minutes of work on Falcon and Winter Soldier. That was announced today. It was it was just funny. Pets, pets been on this. All it's, it's, it's it's so strange. It's like it's like I don't want to say someone was paid off, but for someone was paid off. It's fine. That. It's fine. Give I Don love, the kudos. I loved no. I, yes, I love Don Cheadle. Hotel Rwanda was amazing. He did not act. He did not act in Falcon Winter Soldier. <laughs> oh boy. Sorry, what was I talking about? Uh, Red Dead Edutainment is where we're going next, uh, and I was going to maybe pass over this one, but no, no, this is actually very interesting. No, I find this, this is very neat. You, you wanted to not do an intro, basically. Hey, I wasn't the one who said we needed to get rid of things. Um, so Red oh, Dead wow. Redemption 2, uh, when it came out, was known for uh, having realistic animal behavior. And if you've ever talked to people who have played Red Dead 1 or 2, they talk about how like the hunting and the animal behavior is pretty impressive. Um, and you know, it, it's, you know, like tracking the animals and stuff like that is difficult. Um, so a, uh, a paper published by the people in nature journal. Um, I'm a, I'm a member of that, by the way, I get a subscription. Do you? No, yeah, absolutely. No, you don't. <laughs> I like, I like, I like learn about beaver behaviors. Ian. Well, no, I mean, I like read books and stuff on that, so I, you you could be the sort of okay. person who does that. No, I, 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 Lots of no, people I love, have interesting I lo- interests. I love critters. Um, so it, it tasked players who had played either Red Dead Redemption 2 or Red Dead Online, uh, or it, it, it showed that players who had played Red Dead Redemption 2 or Red Dead Online were better at identifying real-life animals than those who hadn't. Uh, this is directly from the PCGamer.com article. The study asked over 500 self-selected gamers to name specific animals, first with a blank text field and then with multiple choice. The researchers left out charismatic megafauna like wolves or bears, opting for creatures like the little egret and the steelhead trout. Um, oh, wow. Th- so they didn't go for obvious answers like can you what kind of bear is this no yeah. no they went for the weird shit that how is many in animals the game. are in this game i'm gonna look that up I, I that i honestly don't know um players who had finished red dead redemption 2's main story or taken a naturalist role in red dead online were notably better at identifying the animals those who hadn't played either and those outside of north america there's 178 animals in yeah, this game did less well wow so that's it's just it's an interesting list. study. You know, edutainment seems to be unpopular. I th- I love edutainment. There's three, I wish there was more edutainment. There's three different type of hawks in this game. Yeah. I mean, wow. They did their research. But, you know, uh, you can learn shit from video games as long as it's implemented in the video games yeah. correctly. People who play a game like Red Dead Redemption, you know, most people I know who played the game at minimum played it for 40 hours. Oh, I know a lot of people who put like over 100 hours in. You're absorbing this information. So yeah. if the yes. animal, so if the animals look and act accurate in the game, you're going to learn something from it. And I think that's pretty neat. This is amazing. hundred. I would have said, oh, there's like 50 animals. There's 178. Um, it's crazy. Can I kill poachers and people that are like trying to kill, wipe out the bison in this game? Is that something I can oh, do? No. I'll, I'll play if the game so, tomorrow. I'll play it. I was yeah, going to say. I'll, play it. I'll go home is that, is that like a mode? <laughs> is that a mode in it? I'll, can I start like my own little zoo? And like, what is this, 1890 or 1880? Whatever this is. Can I start, the, start like a zoo and like protect like the bison? I'll be like the guy from the future that knows that the bison are going to be wiped out in the fucking continent. Just about. Can I be that guy uh, uh, to do that? 
you can interrogate poachers in Red Dead Redemption 2. There's apparently interrogate. A, there's apparently a quest given by Charles Smith. Uh, upon noticing several poached bison that have not been made use of, Charles decides to track down the poachers. Yes. After that, yes. Arthur can kill the poacher or let him go. I would kill I'm, the I'm in. I want. I want that as. I want that like as a main story arc in my game. I want yeah. <laughs> one of the best. Uh, one of the better Google thirteen stories, and they're all great. Is um, he's hired. This is my dream. Um, some assholes in, in Africa, poachers, just wipe out a whole family herd of elephant for the, for the tusks. And it's someone you know that works for the you know the wildlife people. It's like they they hire him, and boy, does he take them out. And it's like it's the it's like the most feel good story you've ever read of a Google thirteen story where he just systematically takes out this band of machine gunning. They machine gun the elephants from like you know from like helicopters and stuff and just gun them all down. And boy, does he does he does he put his work in? Good old Duke Togo. Feel good story is that taking out fucking poachers. Don't 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 ever make me a billionaire somehow, or don't don't give me that money. You give me that Je- Jeff Bezos money, I ain't going to space, Ian. I ain't doing that. I'm putting it to work on Earth. I'll just say that. You don't, you don't want me with that sort of influence and power. Sorry, what were we talking about? Poacher Down is the world's first anti-poaching game and the first ever oh. FPS game in Afrikaans and Zulu. Proudly designed in South Africa. Okay. You can kill poachers. Okay, I think we're going we're gonna to do ads for free for this one. Uh, do, do any proceeds go towards any anti-poacher agencies? Like, can I buy this? I'm finding out right now. Trying uh, to find out right now. People also ask, "Can you kill poachers on site?" <laughs> yes, and somebody's called, yes, they do. They just shoot them. One hundred percent of the proceeds go to one hundred percent of all donations for the game go directly to the Rhino Pride Foundation. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. They're starting to use dr- uh, drones as an anti-poaching measure in Kaziranga. Ka- Not sure where that is. So, yeah, put mount fucking guns and missiles and take out the poachers on that. This game looks a little dated, but I would play it. Okay. All right. Uh, PS4. PS4 Pros were found in a warehouse, Ian. Mining Bitcoin. This is, this, is, this is all over the place intro, but I like it. I like this style. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. We're, we're nowhere and everywhere. Uh, thousands of PS4 Pros discovered in a warehouse raid, and somehow it wasn't the noise that gave them away. This is from Ethan Gock. <laughs> Uh, Ukraine Security Service busted a cryptocurrency mining farm filled with racks of PS4 Pros for allegedly stealing electricity off the nation's grid, the spy agency reported last week. Um, Discovered more than 5,000 devices, including racks and racks of PS4 Pros and other gaming-related tech and warehouse next door to, wow, I'm not able to say this, Vinny Shiobolnergo, wow, Vinny Shablonurgal Energy Distribution Company in the city of Vinny, Vinny Shia. Uh, the agency had accused the operation of leaching as much as $256,640 worth of energy from the surrounding grid using special electrical meters to hide the theft. It wasn't ruled out that, uh, it wasn't ruled out involved by, by officials of the power company located right next to the warehouse. Oh, wait, the power company was right next to the warehouse and they didn't know? There's, there's some shenanigans going on here, Ian. Mm-hmm. They're literally next to the, and they didn't know how much energy they were using. Some countries like Iran have banned crypto mining altogether due to energy blackouts. China has really come down on it the past uh, months about it because it's fucking things up. Oh, yeah. It's fucking things up for energy. Of course it is. 
Don't send me an email. It's like, oh no, by this year, this amount of Bitcoin. Fuck off. It's fucking. We talked about this when we talked about the up. NFT. People in, in cryptocurrency have been saying clean is coming for six years, if not longer. When it when 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 clean finally comes, when it has its big O face, you let me know that it's here. This this is a li- crypto and, and things like that and blockchain ha- are like eliminating green energy gains in a lot of places. That's the bottom line. It's 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 bad. Um, Vinny Shablonergo des- denies any involvement. <laughs> the equipment used for cryptocurrency mining has never operated on premises owned by our enterprise, they said in a July 9th statement. Yeah, but they're like next door doing it. Like, come, come on. I, I love how this stuff happens. Somebody's got, it's like they're next door, but we're, we don't know anything about it. But they're like they're next door. And we, get, and we have lunch with the guys maybe. <laughs> but like, we, you know, like <laughs> come on. There's, there's, there might be some kickbacks going on there. Allegedly. Don't come after me. But oh, they're on the U- Ukrainian authorities. I think that's funny as hell. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Right, is, that, is that it for the intro? That's it for the intro. That's that it? Yeah. Uh, Ian. Patrick. Uh, th- this story almost went past our radar the past weekend. It was Heritage Auctions. Uh, the first time they did exclusively a, th- a three-day auction, July 9th to 11th, just for WADA-graded, se- mostly sealed video games. Sealed! Gotta get that out of the way early. And... There was literally multiple record-breaking sales. Not just one. There were multiple ones. So, yes. I, so I wasn't paying attention at first, but on I think it was Friday. I think that was Friday the 9th. The uh, first print, Legend of Zelda, NES, went for... 870000 including That includes the 20% buyer's premium. It's what they're paying. It counts. It, it counts on some way. So when I saw that, I'm like, that's crazy. Because, you know, there have been other Legend of Zelda that come up. Um, but, okay, that's crazy. But then, two days later, it gets, it goes from crazy to, I, I don't have a word outside of ludicrous to describe this. It's like space balls. You have, like, ludicrous speed. There's, there's no word to describe how insane this is. A sealed Super Mario 64 went for one... Point five six million dollars. Fuck fucking nutty. That's what that is. So the reaction was about the same to everyone because we're still like we're still processing like oh we just had a big sale on Friday that was insane. Now we have to process because these are jump ups from like the jump ups are like tens of thousands of percents. It's not like oh it just went up twenty percent or even two times. You I can't calculate on a calculator the percentages that these went up. From like past sales, it's like like I don't have a word for it. It's nutty, 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 fucked. So the reaction of this, of course, this made mainstream news. BBC wrote about it mainstream uh, because it, when you hear over a million dollars, record breaking, blah blah blah, it starts it starts setting off alarms to a lot of people, and it should, it absolutely should. So there's a lot of angles we can dive into here, but uh, I'll just read off my tweet that summarizes the thoughts here 
that you know got retweeted a decent amount. I'm I'm good for a good tweet every once in a while. I I, I got some knowledge that tucked away sometimes. Uh, Super Mario 64 sold for over 1.5 million dollars. It is the successful result of two plus years of a concerted effort between Heritage Auctions, WADA, and a small group of collectors from other hobbies with deep pockets to artificially pump up the sealed game market. I more um, let's see what did I say here. However, this pump is unnatural and dangerous long-term. 99%, 99% of these games are not as rare as these purchase prices justify. The price increases are meteoric, and we do not know how many copies of each title exists since WADA does not release population reports. These are extremely dangerous waters for a new collector investor to wade into. While there, while there will be some winners in the grand scheme of this new market, most will end up big losers in the long term. I'm more saddened by anything since the hobby of video game collecting has been co-opted by big businesses and organizations who do not even know video game collecting existed five years ago, and the end result will be people t- being taken to the proverbial cleaners. So, we've been talking, we've been going down this line the past two, two years, really. I'd say 2019, when we started to see the craziness start, early 2019, we had three Pawn Stars appearances uh, with people at Graded Games in about a year span. We had the $100,000 uh, sale, which was the record-breaking at the time only. That was only like a year and a half ago, a little more, the $100,000 Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, that, I what, mean, that's that's uh, still fairly recent in history. A year and a half ago, $100,000 was the record-breaker. Now we're $1.5 million. And we talked about the players involved with that and how they, they were connected to WADA and they knew each other. And I am still shocked. I knew it was trending in this direction, but everyone I talked to and experts did not think it would happen like this and this soon. That it would take no. some years to get here. Like all the other industries or hobbies, when you see like something break a million dollars, it's like, oh, this is taking decades. Like a baseball card, this is going to take decades. It took, it took decades for comic books to break the million dollar mark. Yeah. You know, like this is a two years old, this market. About two years old. You want to say two to three? They've had in been terms all- of its seriousness. Yeah, I'm talking about just heritage auctions and people yeah. putting their money. This is two and a half to three years old only. Wada has only been around for like three years, grading stuff because VGA never got the traction. They they were on heritage auctions. Heritage auctions only been auctioning stuff off for two and a half years. About yeah, this is a two and a half year old market by and large. So when you see that. It should raise flat, uh, like alarm bells should go off in your head for lots of reasons, which we can get into. Um, but the silliness, I mean, we could run down the list. We sort it by, you know, highest price sold. This is just that event. There were a dozen games that went for six figures or more. A dozen. Yep. More than a dozen or close to six figures, like 15 games. Like Super Mario World 9.4. Went a for seal went three hundred sixty thousand. Super Mario Brothers, uh, no rev a three screw mid production two hundred twenty eight thousand. Yes. Whatever. That's like a nineteen eighty seven uh, yep. copy of that game. Uh, Ocarina of Time nine point eight two hundred twenty eight thousand. Uh, and then this one uh, surprises me. Uh, Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy the original nine point eight two hundred and four thousand. And then. Once again, because everything's topsy turvy, the truly rare stuff. Uh, Nintendo World Championships 1990 Gray, uh, 8.0, uh, 180,000, which is about what I thought that would go for. Be- being that they've they've slowly trickled up to 100 grand, I'm like it was ready to go. So like that's that's not a lead now. That could have been the lead. Like oh wow, NWC cracked 100,000, 150,000, 180 with the buyer's premium. 
this has finally cracked that, and that's legitimately a rare game. There's like 60 to 70, around 70 known to exist there, and that's always been one of the most coveted games ever for decades, Nintendo World Championship. That's, we can't even talk about that. That doesn't matter anymore. No, it doesn't. And it should. Um, we're talking about stuff like Nintendo 64 games going for over $1.5 million, Ocarina of Time going for 220000 which is fucking batshit crazy. You know, These aren't games that are more like 25 years old. Mario 64 is 25 years old. Not 30, not 40, 25 years old. You can find sealed Mario 64s fairly easily, which we'll get into. So what is happening here? Well, like I said, they did a great job, these folks. And it's a, it's a small group of people. It's a small group of collectors. It's people with vested interest in Heritage and in WADA. Um, they're connected. They, they did this. It was an effort, and it worked. It was not an accident this happened this quickly. No. It was not an accident. These are big players with money. Uh, you know, the same people that, you know, are on the board of WADA are purchasing these games and are, are you know, helping, uh, you know, like that. Go back to the 100,000 Super Mario Brothers. One of the three owners is a guy that helped found uh, Heritage Auctions. Like, you can't make it out. It's, it's, yeah. it's, out, it's out in the open. It's out in the open. So, when I see people saying, wow, look at this, or I see this Kotaku article I'm going to get into uh, about this, I don't think people even know to ask the right questions to really really ask why this is happening and this quickly and why this, why this game, which we'll get into as well. Um, yeah, I have no idea why it would be this other than the fact that it seems to be uh it's popular uh it's mario so it's going to get the name out there but it just seems like a bad idea for it to be this one why would it be this game and not uh a, an original super mario brothers from 85 like that's which is a lot more significant and a lot rarer this is not rare to find a sealed mario 64 at all look at the historical data go on ebay right now look at price charting this was a game that only sealed was a couple hundred dollars three four years ago and now you're saying i could even uh you know maybe not a 9.8 but a 9.4 i can get hundreds of thousands of dollars for really like is there any semblance of sense to this you know like that's and that's where i think this they made a mistake if if this was a concerted effort to get this game up and i'll and i'll say why i think they chose this game in particular but this was the wrong game to do because this is a game that like i said there's not even a word to describe how insane having this game go for 1.5 million is there's not even a fucking word for it for a game like this now, there was a kotaku article um that you know says quite frankly there's the the, top, the headline what makes this particularly cop- particular copy of super mario 64 so special short answer is no one's quite sure probably because there isn't anything the only thing that they can really pull out is that it's a 9.8 and they uh talked to um dennis khan from wada you know, and even he didn't really have like a great reason as to why this went for, um, you know, uh, one million. And he, uh, you know, he says there are discussions of how many first print sealed Mario sixty fours may exist, but no matter what the number is, there are certainly only a tiny fraction in nine point a plus plus. Sure, it's a very high grade, and it's going to be hard to continue to find those in that grade. But it's not the only one. No, because it goes back to if there's a, if there's a what, nine point eight pulled from a case that case has five other games in it that doesn't mean they're all 9.8 but uh, but, but yeah there's five other chances in there 
Of just for one case, though. Right. And there's multiple cases out there. And, and he actually says that. We often receive factory case packs of N64 games where all six copies have not been circulated. Even in these undistributed case fresh copies, most of the results end up with two or fewer at 9.8. Okay. Oftentimes none. That's still a lot. That's, two or Saying two or fewer, like, that's, that's not a lot. That's 33%. That's insane. That's a lot. That's 33% of the ones you get. You yeah. want to say even tw- uh, you know one out of f- five is twenty percent. If you told me one nine point eight out of two cases, I'd still be like, well, with something that is twenty five years old and we have no idea what the actual amount of copies out there is, that's still pretty good odds. That's good odds. That that's that that's pretty damn good odds. You have a one out of six or, or two out of six chance of getting that. That's really good odds. This is a game that sold uh, several million copies in North America. Several million copies at least in North America. Um, the uh, article goes on. I, I, this article, I think, is a little too lenient with some of the things that I think they were told, but uh, it does keep asking the question. But seriously, 1.5 million. Um, they point out that a 9.4 A-plus graded copy uh, sealed, of course, sold for only 38,000, only 38,400 on Heritage Auctions in January, and a 9.2 sold for 7,500. Those are high prices even for those. It's, it, we, we commented, I think, probably that, that's insane but for that. But to, to get this kind um, of jump. Yes, because when you, when you say, well, look what happens with comics or baseball cards. Yes, the prices do go up once you hit a certain point. But to jump up this percentage has, I don't think, ever happened in one of these hobbies before where it's like, okay, you got a 9.4, 9.6, we'll say amazing, you know, whatever, a, a Golden Age comic or whatever. And you see a jump up like that. That's not even a good comparison because Golden Age comics are so hard to find in good condition. Um, I'm trying to think of a comparison where something would jump up that much. And it's like Dennis tries to say, well, you know, there is there is a multiplier. But he even says it's like it's usually like it's a, a two times multiplier. Right. We're looking yeah. at. Uh, All right, give me a fucking calculator because I don't know what that multiplier is. Right. What, what, I don't. I don't fucking know. It's it's like you know ten uh, twenty five thousand percent. You know, like what what is that multiplier that you went up? You know, a ten, uh, someone's going to tell me several thousand percent. So the multiplier doesn't even make sense. So this article starts to scratch at the surface of questions that should have been asked. And the biggest one I'm going to have, and that we we brought up in a voicemail, someone uh, asked us two weeks ago. Why doesn't WADA release population reports? Because there's literally no benefit from a financial point of view. Uh, there's there's no benefit from a money-making point of view to release um, the population reports because two things are going to happen with a population report when a population report is released. The price is going to stay the same or the price is going to drop because people are going to be able to look at how many copies of this exist, and they are going to be able to make a better assessment of the situation and what they should pay. And financially, they'll make less money, and Heritage Auctions will make less money. Because yes. obviously, Heritage Auctions takes a 20% buyer's premium, and most of the time, they take a percentage of the seller, which they don't. it's not anywhere there, but they do. So they're taking money on both sides there. They're getting a guarantee on both sides. But So if the prices go down, they make less. If the prices also go down... Uh, how WADA grades games, um, it's like how they deal with comics where you have to get it valued. Like you say, oh, what is this worth? They, they do it based upon a percentage of the, of the fair market value. So now, if I got a 9.8 Super Mario 64, and there are more out there, not just this one, I'll, I will stake money on that. There's more. Oh, sure. Um, if I get this graded, WADA might now go, well, three years ago, Ian, a 9.8 Super Mario 64 was maybe $1,000 or $2,000. We'll just say... 
Now it's 1.5 million. You're going to give us now, we'll just say, I don't know, 20,000 to grade it, whatever the percentage would be, like 2% of, of 1.5. You know what I mean? Like, that's a reasonable expectation now. Yeah. The same amount of work that two years ago would have cost you $100 might cost you four figures, five figures to get a game graded. So they benefit by this as well. And obviously, now everyone who has a sealed N64 game is immediately going to try to get this stuff graded. There is a month's backlog to get this stuff graded. Months backlog. You, you can pay more money to get it you know, sent within, like I think, a week or two. But now the turnaround time is like four or five months to get a game graded, something like that, the standard turnaround time. So this all feeds in above itself. This, these, are, these are incestuous relationships between the auction houses, the people that run the grading company, and the people buying these games. Yes. It's an incestuous uh, collusion, uh, basically. So that's, uh, yeah. It gets into about the, this, this is what I always think this is always hysterical that these, and this is why, Ian, we, we somewhat disagree about people that are getting into this. Um, he says, but even he can't really explain it. All that being said, this price is still shocking, but shows the level of emotion involved in how prices are realized in an auction scenario. This was a case of several collectors, at least two, who fit the profile of wanting the absolute best of an iconic relic of pop culture that exists. This is the economics of a collectible market at play, and we get to see some incredible things happen. Oh, if only it was that simple and easy. If only it was the economics of a collectible market at play. If, 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 if there were the economics of a collectible market at play, what would the first thing you would say would be? Well, why didn't this person buy something like this three years ago for 0.1% of the cost? Um, well, why would this person potentially, I don't know, maybe wait for the second one to come out or the third in this condition? You think there's only going to be one that exists that comes out in this condition, especially now? Why jump on the first one for this amount of money? Well, you say if they really wanted the best copy or it's, they're, they truly want it for the emotion involved with it, why would you spend $1.5 million on this and, or not just go for the 9.4 or 9.6 instead? If, 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 hey, $30,000 is insane, but not a fuck shit, bat shit crazy like $1.5 million. You know, like, it doesn't make it. It's not, a, it's not the emotion of having the best copy. Come on. We're not children. We've we've seen we've seen how this has has been uh, grown in huge quotes the past couple of years. I've been to the conventions. I've seen the players. That one one has yelled at me at Portland. You know, I, it's 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 nuts. So, um, the other thing that we have to talk about is that the other danger of this, and that goes for any of this stuff that we see. These, I mean, these these prices are insane. It's it, we can't even focus on just one that's insane. There's no guarantee that we know money will exchange hands for these games. Yes, correct. There's there's no guarantee that money will change hands. Um, no IDs of the buyer. We we don't know who bought it. Um, but the news has been made, and that's all that's that's all that's yeah. important for anyone who is uh, got a vested interest in this. The news has been made. Uh, it's been set set out there and you know for all time now this will be a mario that is sold for this even if the money never officially changes hands the person that wow this is an even crazier one the person that got the 9.4 not even 9.8 super smash brothers for a hundred and forty four thousand dollars that's we don't know if they'll put it in their credit card or whatever a wire transfer to get that there because from my source um, what I, I, I straight up asked, you know, what if you don't pay? What do they do? 
I don't know if they can coerce you to pay. Uh, that'd be messy. They don't want the bad press of having someone. Harry Jobs would not want the press of, wow, this person is not paying for this stuff, this group. He said, well, what they usually do, they'll go to the second place buyer and ask them, do you want to buy it? I say, well, what if they don't want it? Well, they go to the third place buyer. What if they don't want it? And then what do they do? Do they relist it? And he goes, yeah, they could relist it, but for a high price item, this is, this is told to me, um, they might just hide it. Really? And how would you, how would you know? It was never paper. If this person never spends the money for this, how would you ever know? They're not going to do a press release saying no one bought it. Right. That would kill their business. Yeah. And kill, it would kill the, the faith in the system itself. So what's interesting about that is, like I said, when you see the amount here and, and you see all the po- – there's a lot of Pokemons that are going here. There's, I talked about the, the, the basically using Heritage Auctions as a marketplace and how when I fucked up and bought the winner games, it was, I was given the option. So when you, when you go down the list of games here, some of these, like, we'll just say, I don't know, this is crazy, but not as crazy at this point. Crash Bandicoot 9.4 going for $48,000 from PlayStation. Um, you can immediately make an offer to the owner to buy for $72,000 or more. So this was just auctioned off two days ago. The money's probably not potentially transferred yet that quickly. Bank transfer can't on the weekend is not going to go through that quickly for that amount of money. No. Um, so... You have now potentially people, in large quotes, purchasing these items that can potentially flip them before even having to pay for them in theory. Because remember, when I bought my crappy game, I always just assessed a late fee, a percentage, almost like interest, you know, on the game for not paying for it. So these are this is that's where we're at. This could be this could become a you know basically gambling to a point. You know, Ian, if I wanted to get God, there's some like, like I said, in the in the past we focus on the five or six crazy ones. They're all crazy, crazy. now. Yeah, they're all stupid. I mean, they're all crazy. Your favorite game, Double Dragon, thirty thousand dollars NES sealed. What a game. Double Dragon on the NES, thirty thousand dollars. I mean, I'm not even talking about right next to that, the one like, wow, Stadium Events went for thirty thousand dollars. That's legitimately legitimately a rare game. And at least in the past, that went for like fifteen grand, ten grand, like that's only a, like a 2x above what it used to be. So you can be like, okay, that's within the realm of some reason. Not when I see a $30,000 double dragon. That's, not, no, realm, that's, that's not realm of reason. You know, none of these are realm of reason anymore. Or a $31,000 fucking Halo on, on, on Xbox. 9.6 that was sealed. You know, like the most popular game on that, on that console. You know, so it's, uh, it's we're in, like I said, strange times. Oh, by the way, there's two. Uh, there was two state events. One went for like twenty two thousand. One went for thirty. Uh, there, um, yeah. And on and on the heels of this, Ian, uh, CGC announced almost. I think I think it was Friday or Thursday. I thought it was the day before. With, uh, good, dead, good yeah. with great timing though, because they knew that sure. big auction was coming up. Uh, CGC, C, uh, CGC is to hire top video game experts to launch new grading service. The Certified Collectibles Group is seeking to hire top video game experts to lead a new division, CGC Video Games, that will be dedicated to expert and impartial video game collection. So CGC is like the largest comic book grader. They, they, they do coins, a division. They do uh, cards, trading cards. So If time in the game is what made you official, there's none more official, really. They're the most trusted you know, right. to do this. So Remember how before how I said we needed a competitor to VGA because they were just awful. We need a, we we're way past due for now a, th- a third I, competitor yes. for Wada. So I welcome CGC coming into the market, and CGC 
release his population reports. reports. I can go on their site and log in. I can say, okay, how many Action Comics number one have you graded, and what are the grades for all? Like, how many for each grade? And that'll, bink, it'll come up. So if I'm, a, if I'm a collector or want to speculate, I know that, oh, this is legitimately rare. There's only been, I don't know, uh, 10 Action Comics at a you know 4.0 grade, you know, whatever. So like I know that if something goes for the same price, well, there's others out there. I can wait. Or it's within the sure. realm of reason. There's no good answer for why WADA there's no let's say let's, let's say there's no positive answer that WADA could possibly give for why they don't release population reports. They know in their internal databases how many Super Mario sixty fours they've graded. They know. They know. They know it. So not seeing that ass in the Kotaku article, maybe in the future they'll get around to understanding why that's important. I can understand like not oh, why is this fishy? Well, this is like almost like split splintering off from that. But I don't think it's a bad article. I do think they should have gone harder with some of the questions, but it's obvious it, it, it plainly shows that there's a lot of questions about Yeah, and this. they're maybe they're not the people to ask it, you know. But they can go on price charting and look at how, you know, you know, this was a you know, sealed game was like a few hundred dollars forever, and all of a sudden the past year, oh no, what's happening? I can't even a straight line up in the air for, for the rise in price. It doesn't make any sense. Or looking at the like we the, there was a uh, sold eBay one, just went for where is it? The one that went for like fifteen grand. The, the uh, a first print one just went for sixteen grand. Buy it now or best offer, back on May 29th. And when I look at this copy. Wow, this looks like a pretty damn clean copy, Ian. Was this the one that just went for $1.5 million? I can't say, but I wouldn't be shocked if you told me that this was one of the ones that was just auctioned off. You know, I, I'm not shocked anymore by this. You can turn it around that quickly. Buy it, get it graded in a week, send it back, sure. send, it, send it there. You, know, like you can do that. But that's where we're at, though. We're going to have... A ton of these come on the market, and this is why this is what we missed out on. Why do they pick this game? This game is not too old, and this game is not not rare at all, and it's not even that hard to find sealed. This is a game that everyone can profit on immediately, and for years, by there'll be sealed Mario sixty fours auctioned off every month until we're dead, potentially. Just like how the Spider Man one for Atari. Yeah, maybe yeah. that maybe that's it. Maybe that's why, because by taking a game that's not actually rare and not old, people will find this, think they've got bank and send it yep. in. It's going to generate money for the grading business. And because it's not it's a game that there are going to be a lot of people, I think, this week, and they're not going to be 9.8s necessarily, but there are definitely going to be, I'm just going to say, four to five people this week who are like, I've got a sealed one. I'm going to send that in and four get to, that graded. Four to five. You I'm sure. Generous. That, yeah. But that's what's going to happen. It, it's yeah. because it's going to generate business. Yeah. There'll, there'll be someone that said, you know what, Ian? I, you know, I do have a shipping box laying around. Never opened it. Now I am. Right, maybe it wasn't even worth it before at ten thousand. So, like, that's the danger of something that's again twenty five years old only. That we know, like you said, you had you had a sealed one in your shop. You said at some point we had one, a sealed one in the shop within the past few years. I think past five, maybe maybe ten. But we've had sealed Mario sixty four come through. It's not hard to find sealed N sixty four games. You're getting to that point near near two thousand where it's like, okay, this stuff is is a little bit easier to to get a hold of. Yeah, you know, I've seen shipping boxes of N sixty four games. We've we've seen them. Uh, even Super Nintendo games, you can f- find shipping boxes of. So, yeah, that, I think that I think that's me being cynical. 
they picked the wrong game to do this with, though. If, if this was a, a like, if this was a concerted effort between groups to 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 do this, because now people are like, "Wow, this is over the top." People are asking questions, and uh, no one's got any answers. Yeah, but people are going to lose out, though. And that's the thing. It's like, well, if I'm a collector who doesn't know the history of video game collecting or speculate, I'll just say, "All right, Ian. Well, a one point uh, a nine point eight went went for one point five million. You know that 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 uh, nine point six is a deal at at six hundred thousand. It's a deal, right? It has to be. Shit like that potentially can happen. That's what they're, I think, they're hoping for. I think they hope that they hope it happens. It might. We'll see. But just like the Spider Man, this will be just like the Spider Man. The more that come out every month, nine point eight Spider Man. First one goes for nine grand. Next one goes for eight grand. Next one goes for six grand. And then you realize, wow, there's a, there's a ton of these out there. And this is going to happen with this game as well. So it's it's a uh, dangerous uh, games we're playing with. These are this is a lot of money. That's gonna be gonna be uh, shit away, and the people on that on the bottom floor of this a couple years ago, they win. I'm not saying they didn't win. You played right. it, you played it brilliantly. You played it brilliantly, but you are snakes. Oh yeah, and you don't care that a lot of people are gonna lose a lot of money because that's how you got your money and how you're getting rich. So I hope you can live with yourself. Obviously, you can, but this you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna take a lot of money from people that sh- yes, they should know better. But when when a market's being manipulated. How do you know better? Not everyone keeps up with this stuff. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. It's sad. Anything else to add, Ian? Or you, you no. Go? I can't believe we didn't talk about the NWC card. I thought that was going to be like, the, like the, big, the big thing from this auction. No, I mean... I, I, I can't even believe that. We, we're, we're beyond that. And that uh, was the thing that made me realize that this was a different sort of thing when the truly rare and interesting stuff is no longer what's going for money and we're finding ways to make money off of the common stuff. Because, you know, yeah, you could have pumped up an NWC grade at like half a million dollars, but you know what? There's not enough of them for the steady stream of money. There's only like 70 of them. And and then you know what I mean? Like you can't do that. You can't do it with the gold. There's only thirteen gold carts. So yeah, that that's gonna make waves when a gold one comes up. But you don't have a hundred people saying, "Oh, I'm gonna get mine graded on" because there isn't a hundred people that have it. There's definitely at least a hundred people easily that have a sealed Mario sixty four. I'll, I'll I'll go on record. I'll say there's probably hundreds for a game like that overall that are sitting around. It's the most ubiquitous Nintendo 64 game. It's only 25 years old. And when you look at the records, there's constantly ones for available. Constantly for, for, for Mario 64. Maybe not hundreds, but, 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 but 100 at least. Right. 100, 150. Ian had one, for God's sake. You should have you held on to it. Man. You know. <laughs> Moving on. CBD is not about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel. Stress, anxiety, pain. CBD has been helpful in my life for helping me with sleep. When I have a little bit of anxiety or anxiousness, it helps take the edge off. And also, it also has no harmful side effects. And it's a natural method to relieve pain, nervousness, and sleeplessness. And feels is a better way to feel better. So what is feels? Why is it so great? It's premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. And it helps you feel better naturally, reduces stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. It's easy to take. You just place a few drops onto your tongue, and within a few minutes, you're going to feel those effects. Uh, There's real people to support you at Feels. If you're new to CBD, there's a free CBD hotline that you can give a call, and they'll help guide you. Uh, on the way, give you advice, um, you know, help you with your experience. Feel better naturally. Feels works naturally to help you feel better. There is no hangover or 
addiction. If you join the Feels community to get Feels delivered to your door every month, you'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel anytime. Start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash CU podcast, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash CU podcast to become a member and get 50% off automatically on your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash CU podcast. All right, Ian. Um, do we really have to do this again? Tommy Taylor Rico's back in the news again because he keeps giving us things to talk about. Uh, and this time it's uh, he's saying a lot of stuff and then realizing that maybe it's not the best thing to say and uh, taking it down. But uh, yeah, Tommy, uh, after our stream, our, uh, our recording last week, uh, took to Atari age to uh, slander or libel uh, libel libel us uh, uh, by saying that we are responsible uh, for him receiving death threats and violent messages. Well, he tried to word it like he was he's sneaky with his wording, but he said after Pat Neen's disgusting oh. stream yesterday, and I'm sure we all know who from here sparked that one. I've received two death threats and countless extremely violent messages on Twitter, Reddit, and YouTube saying it would be a big mistake for me. To uh, to show up in public at the Crayola event. We've reported all of them, but I doubt anything will be done. Okay. You know why it's not going to be? I mean, I, I want to say uh, something here real quick. Um, uh, the narrative, it, 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 the first thing that makes this unbelievable is the narrative that Twitter has not done anything. I've reported all sorts of things on Twitter, fairly mundane, and things just get taken down. Like, it's, it's, it's not like they don't do anything. They're not doing anything because it didn't happen, Tommy. But the, but yeah yeah I, I would say uh, almost all this shit didn't happen. But the insinuation that us discussing, um, you know, the awful uh, threats of legal threats against Ars Technica, that our discussion of that would lead to death threats directly, is uh, libelous. It's obviously it's obviously a fucking lie. It's and it's disgusting again. And thankfully, Atari H took down that post. But that's where that's where Tommy's at. He's so desperate that now he has to play the victim after his awful fucking behavior going after any critic, going after YouTubers like us, going after game journalists, going after people in the industry who are, are critical of all. Once he gets pushback, he 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 then has to say, Well, I'm the victim. I did look what's happening to me now. He absolutely fucking soaks his pants and retreats back to Atari Age and plays the victim. And Thankfully, it's ridiculous. This this post was up for almost twenty four hours. He also a- accused uh, someone else we know who's who's a, a video game uh, person uh, for awful behavior that did not happen. It was a lie. And you could only do this so long until people say you're crying wolf or you're full of shit or you're an awful person, or a combination. Of course, the people on Atari Age take Tommy at the face of the like, oh, that's so terrible, these people. But it's a lie. It's a fucking lie. Uh, this this is a, a charade, and someone trying to play the victim who tries to be a bully and go after critics, who sends low-level YouTubers and to make videos about critics to come after us and to uh, go, go after people on Twitter. Like It's disgusting. It's wannabe... It's want to be like thug dictator mafia behavior to, to do that. Well, and I, I would say uh, this. Um, far be it for me to say that people don't get out of hand. People do get out of hand. I'm sure Tommy's gotten some less than stellar comments directed mm-hmm. his way. We've gotten lots of stellar, lots of less than stellar comments directed our way over the years. Uh, ones insinuating violence. What I'm saying is I don't think there's a huge rush of it. And um, 
Oh, shit. My point. My point. I had a point. Well, my point is that trying to connect oh, us yeah, to no. it is insane. Trying to connect us to it is insane. But um, the other thing is, um, come out with some names. Yes, I want to see. I want to see receipts. People uh, who, yeah. who people who keep tabs on the Amico and stuff like that. People who are not particularly thrilled about the Amico, who have questions to ask about the Amico, um, have said numerous times, "Show us the names so we can police our yeah. areas." And Tommy refuses to do that because I think it's just an attention-getting technique. Yeah, you want to play victim after you attack people, but that's not or you're here to really discuss mainly, but we have to, we have to address that. And I'm glad Atari H took down that post. And I'll just say this, you can't allow someone to post shit like that about us or anyone else. If that continues, I'm going to have a major problem. Uh, yes. So I'm, I'm glad Atari H has somewhat policed that. I don't still know why, why Tommy's allowed to post on there. That's a whole other conversation. One time, one day we will have, um, after all his lies and bullshit and, and uh, libel, against multiple people but inciting so much hate to others that they seek out violence on me and my family is disgusting we didn't incite any violence tommy we called you up for being a fucking douchebag don't be a douchebag it's it's, it's in his dna though it's in his narcissistic personality um so we're going to talk though about tommy actually responded to the ars technica um article via a nintendo life article who uh interviewed him um, I, that's that's you're butchering the word interview. I mean, like as loose as possibly, I could say interviewed, interviewed Tommy. This is like almost this is like almost a year after the last time Tommy needed extreme damage control and was interviewed yeah. by someone who is now anti Miko. But it's that sort of thing. Every every year or so, after Tommy makes a fucking fool out of himself, every year it's every six months, someone comes yeah. along. To offer him a softball platform, venture beat just, just article, venture beat, um, the dude, the dude, the dude, <laughs> that uh, yeah, the the guy, uh, and then um, Dean Takahashi. No, I know. I'm talking about Review Tech USA. Oh, 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 the piece of garbage. Yeah. Who now? He, even he recognizes this is so bad now that well, he he wanted to tie, uh, side with Tommy to try to take us down like that worked out, but even that snake realized this is getting so bad. I now have to attack Tommy in the console after he uh, shilled for it. After my ill-thought-out yeah. attempt to uh, attack. <laughs> no, it yeah, was totally fine. So, like, then he tries to attack us. He realized that A got four-hour live stream with Tommy. Multiple live streams with Tommy. After that infomercial, the whole point is this. Even a snake like him was uh, intelligent enough to realize that, wow, this is getting worse and worse. I got to jump ship now. And he went after the, the the small YouTubers and punched down, which that's all the conversation. That that was unfortunate. I think some of that. Approach. Yeah, not necessary. But this article by Damian McFerrin, uh, intelligence Tommy Talrika wants to follow in Nintendo's footsteps, but will he get the chance? Is um, wow. If it was, you could have told me. I'm not, this is not a paid article, but if you told me it was a paid article, I believe you, because yes. this is a damage control PR article for Tommy Talrika, and we talked about Nintendo Life before. How they were, they sort of ran, have been running cover for Polymega since the fall. Yes. And like doing the review, helping get pre orders for it, but then like not really doing any follow ups about, wow, this is not being shipped out to backers. A lot of the backers, most of the backers don't, don't have a Polymega. What the fuck is happening? Which, so, by the way, there was a, an update to that last oh. night. Apparently, they have a warehouse full of them now. Oh. And they are going to start shipping them out. Okay, how did that not make the topic list, Ian? Uh, I saw I saw it last night in my half asleep. Okay, maybe that'll be a, 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 a topic. But okay, but um, this runs down. This article runs down Tommy's uh, 
accolades. Tommy Tarico is a name that should be instantly familiar to a lot of video gamers. No. I had no idea who Tommy Tarico was until I think we started doing video game years. I, I didn't. Can I bring up that I'm just sick um, of these false notions of respect? Like, we uh, have to have respect for people. No, I, I don't have to have respect for anyone. Anytime that no. this shit comes up, someone took to Twitter to insult us, uh, they'll this remain... This man unnamed. is a legend He's in the a legend. Industry. Show him the respect. No, I don't have to show no, anyone fucking respect. You show me respect. Well, I gotta show you respect. No. You earn respect. No one just fucking deserves respect. Um, he's worked on over 300 video games during his long career, which people are saying now that a lot of that was farmed out, worked for be his company for sound effects. So involved with sound design and Metroid Prime. That's debated largely how much work, if any, he did on Metroid Prime. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, so last, I said last week, Ars Technica published a post that pulled apart documents found in the Intelligence Developed Portal, which was publicly available online with no password required for access. This has since been remedied, but the damage has arguably been done. Although Talarico himself feels that Ars Technica's report is full of misinformation and the console has been treated rather unfairly in the coverage. Um, this is funny. Full disclosure, prior to Ars Technica's piece going live, we were invited to speak to Talarico via a video call and receive a live demonstration of the, vi- of the Amico. Is it through a video call, though? While the devs unit's wireless controllers occasionally refuse to play ball... Due to battery issues and the UI was in an unfinished state, the system did work as advertised. Well, is it working as advertised if it's not syncing correctly? No, it's not. So we can at least put to bed one of the more common accusations uh, regarding the Amico. It exists. That's a that's a fucking red herring. Uh, that no one ever said the Amico didn't exist. We just said it's an unfinished mess. And it's not working well, properly. I, I, this is, uh, I, I want to state that we've been very, I think, clear about that. I've not said it doesn't exist. I'm sure there are all sorts of uh, in-progress systems. Sure. What I'm saying is, and this was going to be something that I'd say later, um, there was the uh, Crayola experience that they had over the weekend. Sure. Uh, Amico Fest. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I just don't care about counting frames about lag anymore i don't care um even about finding out if the game is a pre-existing game when i feel like we're missing the forest for the trees by focusing on these things here's the problem this system is supposed to be out in three months and it's already three months it's eight nine months behind schedule it's a almost a year behind schedule Sure. If this thing is actually ready and all that is holding it up is a parts shortage, why don't we have four to six systems booting up with the pack-in games that people can come in and demo without people breathing down their throat? Because they're not fucking ready. With full this UI. is not just a part shortage. I'm sure that, and this has been my point the whole time, there is... I'm sure the part shortage is a problem or could be a problem, but the larger problem is it's not ready to go and they're not telling you that. And that is my issue. A a console that is in production, should be in production right now, should have a finished UI, should have a finished uh, web store, because that's how you buy most of these games. And yes, all the packing games should have been well finished last year. A year ago, the packing game should have been finished, because as at, well as a lot of the release games should have been finished. At no point has Tommy said, yeah, we're having trouble getting these we're games developed. 
or we're a year behind. It's always been, we need these parts. It's this that's the problem. Yeah. Yet, I think for anyone to look at it and go, these are not finished Software games. dev and, is different than producing the hardware. It is. And that's the issue. Uh, it's a lie. It's been a total lie the entire time how far along this actually is. If this was something that was shown by Tommy, and he said, we've got a year till release date, this is the first outing we're having... I wouldn't even have any cons- I, 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 I wouldn't have anything to say about it. I'd be like, okay, it's got a year to finish up its problems. It's it's a way out, but three months, three months from release. Look at this statement here. Uh, this goes into his answers. We're going to get we're going to dissect. Given that Talarico has already kindly answered an initial batch of questions and taken time out from his vacation to show us the machine in action, we decided to give him the right to address Ars Technica's more recent comments, as well as talk a little more about the Amico, its Nintendo heritage, heritage, and more bes- and more besides. That's a we- that's weird grammar. Um, so they're like filleting Tommy for some reason. This article, they're like going on the way to like he kindly answered our questions. It's like no, he should answer the questions and you should put his feet to the fire about some of these things that are going on yeah why are we treating Um, him with kid gloves yet you want to ride in a ferrari that bad and throughout this question answer there's no pushback from nintendo life about okay that's questionable tommy zero follow-ups no follow-ups this was literally like just whatever you say we're going to print it even though it's it's, some of it might be false we don't care even more damning they didn't reach out to uh sam mekovich uh at ars technica about his article yeah, there are allegations. If you're going to bring up stuff from that article, you you would I would think reach out to that person. He uh, Tommy made direct a- accusations against Sam, a- uh, allegations against him. Um, Nintendo Life should have asked him, "Hey Sam, do you have any comment on this?" To give your response, and th- no, this is a one sided article. Um, here's a frustrating thing, thing for us. This is Tommy saying, "I asked the writer earlier in the week if he would do a, like to do an interview or ask me questions, and he refused. He doesn't have to give you an interview." Yeah, he can be like us or his report on what he's seeing publicly shown and information out in the public. No one owes you time. His response was just to send him a console. That, yeah, why not? Yeah, I want to play this. You want to be treated like the big boys, fucking Tommy? Then you play like the big boys. You send out review hardware. Um, he goes into saying, "Oh, people don't want to like us. It's sign where PlayStation is appealing to everyone." Uh, the biggest issue we had with the article is that he used copyrighted. Not copywritten this time. Copyrighted confidential information, which was clearly labeled as such with the addition of not for public dissemination on the documents. The documents were leaked, as they even admitted in the piece. They were downloaded from a publicly available website. No, they, they weren't search. leaked, and that wasn't um, admitted in the piece. They, you just didn't protect them. They were available via so Google search. How does Nintendo Life, who are supposed to be game journalists, not push back immediately and say... Tommy, or, or even right, we disagree with Tommy Talrick's assessment. What they did was totally legal and within, with above the board and within the First Amendment rights of our telling the public that. How does a, a, a Nintendo Life not say that in the article? Yeah, how do you not go to bat for your fellow journalists? How do you ha- let them get away with that? What What do you think you're going to get in the meantime? Like what? There's nothing in those documents that, that is damning or embarrassing in any way. Okay, then why did you try to have it suppressed then, or have legal threats? Um, it's about having fun, blah, blah, blah. In hindsight, I made a mistake by calling them out publicly. I shouldn't have done that. I got caught up in the heat of the moment and decided immediately to delete the tweets. I'm human. I make And I make mistakes. And when you're in the public, I am putting yourself out there as much as I do with a lot of passion for the project and for the people you are with. You tend to make multiple ones. Avoiding drama on Twitter is something I need to get better at. Well, we'll get into that. Well, how oh, that no, was so that's great. So, like, just um, days later, he decided to uh, shit talk Frank Cifaldi and didn't think anyone was going to see it. 
He's I a, found it. And I retweeted it. Uh, what did, He called Frank Cifaldi a... An untalented, jealous gatekeeping. He's a gatekeeping. So, so my question is, and I, I, I would... Uh, please, uh, take to the comments. Was he trying to say an untalented, jealous, gatekeeping hater? Because we all know that's one of his favorite words. Or was he just trying to say untalented, jealous, gatekeeper and autocorrect did something wrong? As he's furiously... So, rah, 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 rah. so, so Frank has, has been... Untalented, jealous, gatekeeping! Yeah! So Frank, so Frank had, had been pretty pretty silent as most people were in the public about the amico until e3 and then it's like we you know there's some concerns about this it's like there's what is there a market for this you know what's what's the status of games and that such so like reasonable concerns that someone said hey tommy what did you think about what frank said about this and then of course tommy the only thing he knows about is to attack you yeah that's all you know how to do that's all he can do is attack don't run a company as as a competent ceo but just attack it doesn't matter people doesn't try to, try matter how, how, how loved and well-known you are in the game community or what good you're doing for the game community. Uh, he was provided with an opportunity to say something stupid about someone, and he took it because he can't, has no fucking cool. Yes. And that did not go well for him, obviously. I'll just say this about Frank. Frank is... No, hot. and he deleted it. Yeah, he, he deleted it because he realized, but, you know, it's too late. People know what, you're, what you are. No apology to Frank, obviously, but he deleted it. Um, uh, you know, going after Frank is insanely, insanely stupid for lots of reasons. It's, it's Frank is highly respected amongst uh, uh, idiots like us, uh, game devs, people in the, the games industry, other journalists. You know, like, everyone loves Frank. And uh, people like, love and respect Frank not because uh, people were told they had to respect Frank. It's because he earns respect. Yeah, he does good work. He's a nice fellow on the side. Could share a slice of pizza with him, like no nobody's business. Like Tommy is so like blinded by this personality disorder. I'll just say that that like he doesn't realize, boy, this is a huge mistake going after someone like this publicly. Like he can't stop himself. It's like almost like an addiction with the forum posts and the Twitter posts. You know, it, it's it, it's insane. Uh, he tried to push back in this article about. Uh, our technical said that it's crowdfunded. We said, well, it's 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 not crowdfunded. It's an SEC uh, government regulated uh, Reg A investment. That's Republic, right? On Republic, Republic says it's crowdfunding on the site. It says it on the site that it's a form of crowdfunding. It does. Yeah, it's there. So I mean, you can splice hairs. The fact of the matter is, you are getting funding from outside sources to get this to market. Originally, you said that no one will even pay any money before they can play this. We're not asking for any money until you can play this. Then you go in, in, in March 2020, and you do that horseshit pre-order campaign uh, to get money uh, when you said that, well, you know, uh, we're not going to do that until you can play it. No one, the people who pre-ordered couldn't play the console. Um, and then you got money from them, and then you built up that uh, footage, and then you started doing uh, influencer stuff, and then you get the investment going. Uh, in the spring of, of this year, you know, with steps building up to this, but it's crowdfunded. It is. Um, no one said that the controllers uh, were being faked because the camera angles used. I thought it was uh, curious to hide cornhole being uh, played in that video because we haven't seen cornhole being played by someone yet. We haven't seen it. Uh, and anyway, I went back and looked at that video. Of, of that girl, she was actually holding a cell phone. The girl that tosses it. I know. We, we talked about that yeah. the day we covered it. So, like, where's cornhole at still? Where's that at? Um, tries to push back about the lag here, and so, yeah, uh, he talks about the Qual, uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon chip uh, that were used. Uh, like, the weird thing about that is that when when you try to hide that information and not just come out and say we're using this it makes you look bad like why are you hiding it that it's the, the specific chip for if you if you if it's just a fun console why are you trying to get 
you know, go send legal after a, a company for revealing specs. Like, why don't you not just embrace it then? This is what we are. A quick uh, search of the word crowdfunding just in one page of Republic states at the bottom. Uh, certain pages discussing the mechanics and providing educational materials regarding regulation crowdfunding offerings. It's uh, crowdfunding. Crowdfunding. Okay. It's there. Um, so you, you disagree with Republic, Tommy. You disagree with the site that you're getting your crowdfunding from. Uh, they asked about, is it true that Intelligence cut of games could be as high as 50%? Then he said, well, every deal is different. Depends on how they want it structured. So love, love, love how he didn't deny it at all. Yeah, he didn't deny it. Um, Talked about exclusive features here. It's the same shit. They show they they show they use the stock photos with the Photoshop stuff in the article, which I think is funny as hell. After that, um, try to talk about the casual market again, and then it's just the article goes on for fucking. Yeah, we're good. Ever. We can go on. It's like ten pages. I was amazed at how uh, much space was dedicated. Oh, I'll just talk about the the, the Jay Allard thing. Uh, former, oh, this is important. Former Xbox chief Jay Allard was one of your temple hires. According to every, according to press releases and websites that reported press on press releases, Tommy, uh, your own excited uh, video chats, your website had him listed as global managing director. Yet, what did you say in this interview that he was never an employee? So, what is it? Who was this person that you were building up to uh, all of your investors as an employee? Yeah, I'm sure Phil Spencer, you know, head of Xbox, would have retweeted this if it was just a guy not doing work. You know, like, what are you, fucking crazy? Uh, to be clear, Jay was never an employee of Intellivision. We brought Jay on as a big consultant last year as we were finalizing the hardware and OS. You never labeled him as an insultant, man. It's, or a it, consultant. Insultant is what Tommy insultant. tries to do in his spare time. He's an insultant. That's a good word, insultant. Uh, our team benefited so much from it. And, and his insights were monumental to us, seeing things from a different perspective in regards to things like hardware, customer experience, UI. The, the UI is not finished yet. And even packaging. Um, as Jay would tell anyone, experiencing things not going right as well. And, and God, I to, love how he brings people. Uh, as Jay would tell anyone. Right, it, was, it was an honor to work with him for the time we did, but he wasn't an employee. So, oh. It's ridiculous. J- no, I think he just realizes uh, finally fucking, that he he, he can get he he can get be in, in legal trouble. Yeah, the the, the 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 article I think it was a geek geek wire geek wire. It was a geek wire article. They they said yeah he worked for the company like they said he worked for the company he was an employee like yeah you can't you can't you can't say this shit and do and then do just classic Tommy like, stuff yeah. talking about how he's always paling around with Miyamoto. Yeah, well, yeah. That's the thing, like, oh, whenever I'm around Miyamoto-san, he gives me great... You think Miyamoto could pick him out of a fucking lineup? You think he'd be like, oh, yeah, there's my pal Tommy. Are you are you crazy? Yeah, I'm sure you two just uh, get together and talk game design chops all the time. Are you crazy? Like, how does how does Nintendo, Nintendo Live not say, like, what? Like, like what? <laughs> it, that's, it's insane. It's insane. This is a, someone running a video game company or trying to, a startup. It's insane. Talks about uh, this comment that I'll run right now. Uh, if you're into games with, with blood and violence and sexual content and, and kids in sexual compromising positions and rape uh, on the Nintendo, if, 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 if that's what you want, then buy a Switch. To, so his response to that was, to explain the situation, I was doing a live stream interview over a year ago, and someone in the chat was saying that Amico shouldn't exist because Nintendo already owns the family market and all their games that are early family-friendly. So his response is to say, if you like those games, rape and, and, 
and, and kids in sexual positions by a switch. You are painting switch as the console du jour for that stuff, Tommy. Yeah. Not just, oh, there's, there's, there's not all. You, that's damning what you said. That's ins- so I responded and pushed back by saying that it's incorrect that all of the games on Nintendo Switch are family-friendly. That's not what you said. You didn't say all the games on the Switch are, are not family-friendly. You said that that's the system to go for if you're into games featuring rape, violence, and kids in sexual positions. You can't undo this. If you're into games with, with blood and violence and sexual content and, and kids in sexual compromising positions and rape... Uh, on the Nintendo, if, if if that's what you want, then buy a Switch. That's not what you stated in this yeah. article. It's insane. It's insane. The article goes on forever. It's a, it's not a great article for Tommy. It's not a great article for Nintendo Life to run something like this. I mean, this thing's like f- fucking five thousand words. It seems it just keeps going on and on and on. And um, yeah, they, they brought up stuff with. Uh, you know, Doug Tanapa, I think a little bit, and he's saying, "Oh, he's not really with us anymore." Um, I believe it's in here somewhere, but um, yeah, it's it's insane. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm glad you had fun at the Creole event. They had the the, the I guess you want to call them Miko influencers come out from around the U.S. and play it. But the the fact of the matter is that was done. I'm gonna I'm gonna the same way we were correct about when they went to the video game uh, history museum earlier in the year to help raise money. Through investors, they're gonna yep. they're gonna edit that together. They're gonna show smiling kids playing shark. I think they showed off Shark Shark, uh, Flying Tigers, which is interesting because that's a game that wasn't even announced. You know, a, a month and a half ago, and all of a sudden there's a game people are playing. So where did that game come from? Um, so they're gonna use that in Astro Smash. They're gonna use that footage. They're gonna talk to the influencers that are access media, I guess, or access influencers. They're going to piece that together. They're going to do a video. They're going to try to do another round of investment to keep this company afloat, probably. Yeah, that's what I would think. That's why you do that event. You're not marketing by having to, to like random kids coming to Crayola and forcing a controller into your hand to play a Shark Shark. That's not going to sell your console. But investors getting giving you money to actually get software done and actually set up your your, your online store... To actually have a finished UI, oh yeah, that's going to happen. So yeah, well, there you go, Ian. Sorry we had to talk about it again, but you know, we we got attacked, uh, you know, we got libeled, and um, you know, I, I think it's important that as this gains more and more tra- traction, that we we point out these things. Indeed. All right, Ian. We have a we got a Patreon. I think patreon.com slash cu podcast. You go. You pay. You get a writing. I'll have one up today or tomorrow. You get the full video podcast. You do. You yeah. get a hangout. You don't get snacks yet, though. We're going to figure out a way to integrate snacks. Am I hanging out this weekend or is that next weekend? This weekend. This weekend. Yeah. I'll be there. Uh, and we do these Patreon poll topics. This was a close split. I'm liking the two. I only went to two per week because we can't think of three anymore. But a 46-54 split. That's pretty damn close. Uh, arcade games that you cannot be as a child that others could for 46%. And in first place, Ian, what is your design of a perfect or ideal video game museum? Um, ones that show a uh, like a sequential, um, like a timeline. That's what I really like. I like to see a timeline um, with... Uh, examples and displays showing how things 
progressed. So uh, not to bring him up again, but our pal Frank, uh, he has done um, various museums, uh, like pop-up museums at uh, Portland Retro Gaming every year. And he did the Nintendo exhibit the one year. And it was a really nice timeline from the beginning to the end. But it showed all the stuff that they also do that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Their appearances in magazines, ads, things like that. I like a dis- uh, a museum display to be like that because it really gives you, instead of just looking at a product like uh, here's, you know, you go to a toy museum. Here's Parker Brothers and here's the board games they made. You feel more involved you kind of feel like you're in a little piece of that time period Mm -hmm. and i think it gives you a better idea um of what it was like you know at that time when a thing was was coming out i also like obviously a lot of interactive displays um and i love box art um again and i think this one was set up this was at that uh, this was also at Portland Retro Gaming. I believe John Hancock set up this point, but he had like all the Atari boxes and clear cases and they were hallways essentially that you could walk through and you could see the front. That and was back. Rich Weiss's, I believe. John did the, the Nintendo. Oh, I John believe. did the Nintendo. You're yes, right. Yes, you're. Um, so I, I really like that. I love like the packaging and box art and stuff like that. And that's stuff that I have no interest in personally collecting because it takes up a lot of space, but I like to look at that stuff. So that's something that I would go out of my way to go to a museum to check out and see because I like it, but I'm never going to buy anything like that for myself. Yeah. The national video game museum is the, the one that like I got a hit because they have, they have something like that. They have like some presentation. Here's like the 1980s living room. Here's Mm -hmm. gaming in the late seventies, the shag carpet, you know, they have like, um, Teach you about you want you want to learn about how people played at the time. So to me, a museum experience isn't just well. Here's all shit in in a game library. That's not a museum experience. A museum experience maybe is like okay, if I grew up in 1978 or 79, how did I play video games? How did I experience it in the culture at the time? Right. How how not just with the controllers I use and games I played. What environment was I in? How were the games sold to me? How did I learn about the games? And how did the culture you know come about? So my, I guess similar to you, I'd, I'd have like, you know, you got your, you know, you're going to have like, I don't know, uh, you're going to have a Pong game because that's iconic. You're going to have uh, your living room uh, or bedroom from the 70s. You're going to have one in the early 80s, late 80s, 90s, and just showing the progression through time. Because we're only talking 50 years of home video games next year. It's only 50 years old, video games, really. Um, you want to see the progression. You also want to learn about like the technology you know, I think that's something that the video game history museum. I believe they'd have like things about the different, like, oh, here's like how sound design was used and things like that. You want interactive things, like, okay, yes. well, how did how did you know Super Mario Brothers sound, you know, in '85 versus you know versus the Super Nintendo? Like, like the evolution of the art, basically. Mm-hmm. I love to see like exhibits like that uh, as well. Uh, you got to have, um, you know, I think it had they have like you have to have like a mini classic you know arcade setup you have to have like a room i'm not saying it has to be t- a big like show me like a mock arcade that's a big part of video game history like you mine would have to have like a, an arcade via 1982 or 83 like you have mm-hmm. to have something yeah goal. you've got to have something you set up have like that. to have something like that um i would also love to, to have like um i would probably have i guess you know you always have like the little room showing stuff like i was like oh come come to the 115 we're going to show this little thing like mini documentaries about like you know here's this the story of the of the uh, of the Nintendo getting into bed with Sony for the Nintendo PlayStation, like things like that. So you have to flavor it around things like that. But I think I think putting the controllers in kids' hands to be like, oh, okay, in the in the future when it's all VR or, or it's a, like a freaking chip in your head, how did how did Grandpa play 
you know, play and you know, a Super Nintendo. And you're like, okay, well, go into the bedroom, get a controller. It's under the glass or whatever. You fire it up and you play it. And you look around and like, wow, I'm experiencing it. Because like when I when I when I went when I would go to um, you know, my, my parents dragged me to all the freaking Williamsburg things and God, jo- Jockey Hollow and like you you learn how people lived with that stuff. It's not just wow, here's a a, a butter churning device or. No, you, you saw someone, <laughs> you have, yeah, you someone dressed in, like that using the butter action, turner. Yes. And they would explain to you, this is me turning the butter for uh, this. And like, that's how you kind of get a feeler. Oh, this is how people lived. You know, this isn't just an object from the time. There's some, there's some um, connection there. There's, there's some context to this stuff. And I think that's why people are fascinated by retro gaming. It's not just, oh, this is the old games. They want to get a feel for what it was like back then. Like, I wish I can go back and relive even when I was four and five years old being in arcades to get that feeling. Like, that, that actual nostalgia feeling of you're in the arcade, like, like it's, you can't bottle that and just, like, you can't do that. So this is the closest thing to that. It's like, okay, I'm stepping into a time warp for a bit. And that, to me, is the, is the best sort of museum experience is, uh, is that. I see. Did I leave any any air for you to follow up on any of that or no? I started with it and you you ran on, so I think that's pretty good. You, you, you were Wally Backman setting the table for for me, Daryl Strawberry, yeah. knock you in there. Ian, summer is here. Beach bods are on display. Our friends at Manscaped will help you show off yours with their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0 complement your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code cu podcast hot guy summer indeed it's time to bundle up with the manscaped performance package 4.0 inside this package you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer crop preserver ball deodorant crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag their fourth generation lawnmower trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology the lawnmower 4.0 has a 7000 rpm motor a new multi-function on and off switch and a travel lock and it gives you the ability to turn the 4000 led spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave and it's waterproof the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology as well, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate areas. Seal the deal with Manscaped liquid formulations before heading outside. Use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver to keep you on your game in the heat. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CUPODCAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code CUPODCAST at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine. Shine in the sun with Manscaped. Ian. Patrick. We got some, uh, we got some voicemails. Go to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast, and uh, you can uh, leave your, your message. Hold it like 30 seconds. Oops, sorry. I'm sweating like a criminal. I, I got to get you a tank top, Ian, for this. Gross. And uh, we'll, we'll start with gross. We'll start gross. with the first one here. 
Hello, this is a message from Christian, wishing two of the most epic of retro gamers a wonderful day. So my question is kind of intriguing. So what I wanted to ask is, what judge. do you think of content creators that aren't really creating? Content creators are more so making news, well, they call it news, and peddling it as some, well, I guess they're peddling themselves as newsmen when really they're just drama channels. Uh, I, I've been wanting to ask this for a while because I really don't like how content creators pretend like they're newsmen, like actual journalists when they're just peddling drama. Yeah, they're not doing research. They're not journalists. You know, most YouTubers are not like doing research. Some are. There's some good YouTubers that do like investigative stuff, or but like a lot of them are just repeating news and giving comments on things. They're not news channels. There's some good. There's some bad. Uh, a lot of YouTubers, and I think it's because with the YouTube algorithm, I mean, you see those people who have like videos out within 30 minutes. It's because they're regurgitating a press release and adding yeah. a little bit of uh, opinion to it. Yeah, uh, that's you, it. YouTube Transform. I had a conversation with, with 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 a bigger YouTuber than I am recently about YouTuber YouTube Transformed. Over the past five, six years from being personality driven to content driven and, and more like news driven, where it's like you're not caring about following a specific person and what they do for the most part versus I want to learn about the trailer just came out to the to the MCU movie. I want to hear 18 people react and say the same fucking thing in a row. That's what YouTube basically became. It's like I want to go and hear news I want to hear from all these different people. I don't even care who those people are. It's like reading I, yeah. the comments on Twitter. You see a t- you see a new you see news. Sure. And then you hit the comment section see and you read through it and you see everyone's slightly different take. And that's what YouTube has become. Yeah. You look at you think you see a news article that's like OLED switch released. You type in OLED switch and then you get a bunch of 10 minute videos that are everyone's take. I mean it, that's, that's what it's become. That's what it is. It's yeah. not fun. That's yeah. why I never got into it, but like it's yeah, it's it's kind of mind numbing. Hey, Sergeant Zombie here. Listen up, maggots. Not just the ones on my face. Pat Ian, is there a game that was canceled that you were really looking forward to and you would love to see made today? For me, it's always been Dead Rush, and I'm hoping that somebody pulls it out and okay. remakes it on today's consoles. It'd be amazing. I'd love a GTA with zombies. Is that what that is? I guess so. GTA with zombies. You can get out of your car, go around, and kill zombies. And oh, can't, that was uh, maybe on PS2, GameCube, and Xbox. Huh. Um, I, I, off the top of my head, I just heard recently that there was supposedly a Ridge Racer in the works for the Switch, and it was canceled. And I would. Oh no. I I I, I would. I, that's. No. Sorry, it's, Ian. It's difficult. It's di- uh, let's see. The game would have been taken. This is Dead Rush. The game would have t- taken place in the town of Eastport, where a massive earthquake has destroyed most of humanity. As Jake, a character suffering from memory loss, the player's job was to find out exactly what happened in Eastport, which is now overflowing with zombies. Wow. The zombies in Eastport would try to wreck whatever car Jake was driving. Luckily, the player could create new vehicles out of parts of previously demolished cars. That sounds cool. A female mechanic could also put new parts and items on cars that'd be more powerful. That sounds interesting. Yeah, that would have been fun. Probably. Uh, next. Hi, guys. Uh, Jean-François Rodriguez again. And uh, I was just wondering, uh, what is your favorite cheat meal? I'm currently uh, in uh, prep for a bodybuilding competition, and I'm just craving food, and I'm trying to live through other people's uh, cheat meals. So uh, let me know what is your favorite cheat meal. Thanks. Man, the sacrifice those, those bodybuilders go through, like, what is it, the two weeks before? In terms yeah. of, like, the final weight cut in. Like God, I can't imagine. And they drink a ton of water to cut water weight out too. It flushes your systems up. And like, 
Woo. Uh, nachos. I love. I mean, it's not a cheat meal. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't have like cheat days. I I eat. I'd say most of the meals I I eat are cl- eat are clean. But if I have one or two meals during the week that are not great, I mean, I just roll with it. I but like, I, I love nachos. Like I, we had nachos over the weekend. I'll eat nachos wherever I'm at. Like I don't care. Uh, ramen would be mine when I've in been in the position where I need a you know a cheat meal. Uh, you know I'm currently just eating like shit. Uh, but ramen is delicious. It's one of my favorite things. Um, it's incredibly fatty, like super super fatty. The, oh, the broth, the broth of, is incredibly oh, broth. richly fatty. Um, the broth is nuts. Uh, especially I mean if it's especially if you do like tonkatsu or something like that. I mean it's milky white from the fat content. Wow, it's like and clam it's, chowder. It's delicious, but it's it's yeah it's it's fatty. And then you get the you know the huge noodle the huge portion of noodles on top of it. And then if you do it traditionally, you're usually eating pork belly or chaju pork, and that's like a really fatty cut of pork. So I love ramen, but it's you know definitely not. People just think, oh, soup. <laughs> no, no. No. Soup is, soup is like liquid fat, a lot of it. You got to be careful. There's lots of good soups, but there's yeah. lots of bad soups. Soup is not something that is just like, uh, it's not, oh, it's a, light, good. It's a yeah. light meal. Oh, no, it's not an appetizer. Like, oh, I'll have a soup for an appetizer. That no, could be you meal. go out to eat and you have a bowl of lobster bisque as your appetizer. You've already exceeded your calorie or, count. Or French onion. I love French onion. I, used to, yeah, I love Fridays, French onion, but, but it's a fucking yeah. buttered crouton, a I, half a pound of mozzarella I'll, cheese. And then, I mean, I the know, actual yeah. French onion soup itself is probably not that bad. It's onions and beef broth. But Get rid of that cheese and it might a close... Yeah, you might approach some semblance, but yeah, you're right. The, the amount of bread in there, yeah, that's in there. God, I haven't had French onion soup in years. Yeah, that used to be my that used to be my appetizer at Fridays. That burger, then pie in the sky for dessert, which was literally how was it legal? It was great. A Sunday with a piece of chocolate pie stuffed in there, and it was somehow <laughs> only six six ninety nine or six dollars only. It was like, come on, I was that's why I was thick but quick. Hello, Hello, Sam. Calling from India. I have a question for Ian. Ian, as your PC engine guy, what games should I play? I started with Blazing Lasers. Absolutely loved it. Thank you very much. I love the podcast. We get this question every month now, but Ian will run through five games. Um, I mean, I, I, I think the, the, the big stuff, and this is no longer the cheap stuff because cheap is not a word that really exists with the PC engine, but play the Hudson releases. A lot of the numbered Hudson releases are good, but um, play your Star Soldiers, your, your, play your Super Star Soldier, play your Soldier Blade, however you need to go about playing it. Um, play your um, some of your IRM classics, play uh, Ninja Spirit. Uh, absolutely. Get your fix of bonk. Um, I really like a lot of the platformers on the system. All the Valises are good on the system. Play Splatterhouse. Ninja Spirit. Uh, I, oh, that's, that's, I said Ninja Spirit. I said that, sorry. Yeah. Um, there is no shortage of good stuff, especially if you're playing on the actual PC engine. There's just, there's games everywhere. But, um, you know, if you want to stick to the cheaper stuff, start looking for the Hudson Soft releases. Look at the ones that are under 50 bucks, and most of them are going to be bucks. worth playing. 50 bucks? No, isn't that nice? Sorry. It's okay. Fun is back, oh yes, sirree. Uh, next! Hey, Pat, Ian, this is Matt Seattle, and I'm going to be moving to Japan next year for a year. And I was wondering, if you guys were moving to Japan for a year, what sorts of games and merchandise would you be on the lookout for during your time there? Thanks a lot. Love the show. Well, it's hard to find space in the city. So on the countryside, where now there are ghost towns, as people all move to the cities in Japan, it's a crisis now. But okay, so I had the, any, as much room as I want. It's true. Look it up. I know. It's like Italy. There's like, I know. No one, there's like abandoned, odd. abandoned, odd. <laughs> way to go. But abandoned yes, two thousand year old fucking towns. At least in Italy. Um, I would like to collect. 
going back to the woman the world record, there's so many probably interesting handhelds in Japan that like you probably couldn't get here or be very difficult to get a lot of the little guys. There's a lot of neat Bandai ones. Um, for sure. That would be interesting. It'd be hard to get them back here. Obviously, PC Angel stuff is a lot cheaper there. You probably can find it. It's, it's, it's more ubiquitous. Um, be, I'd be into that stuff for sure. That's like Famicom stuff. Collecting Famicom stuff never really appealed to me because it, it, the form is different. And, you know, I, I just never got into Famicom collecting. I probably own like only 10 or 15 Famicom games. The only one I really cared about was that uh, the, 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 uh, the Punch-Out Gold special one. That was cool to get. But PC Engine stuff and I think handhelds would be interesting. What, what about you? I mean, that's honestly probably what I would say. Maybe cute little plushes that didn't come out here. I think I have, I think like, like that one's from Japan, I believe. That little Tanuki Mario, I, I believe. I believe that one is. Oh, and I decided uh, that I like sound drops way too late. I'd probably look for the other sound drops. The what, Ian? Is that on here? It, oh, it's, it's right there. It's hanging from your thing. Oh. <laughs> I yeah. like those, and I should have bought them all from Steve the, Lynn when the he one? had them. Oh, he had a bunch of them? He had the whole set? I bought the mappy one, but he, he didn't have the whole set. I think it was like he was missing two, and if he had the whole set, I was going to buy them. But he didn't, so I just bought the Mappy, and now finding them is super hard. They used to be, like, really easy to come by. The one time I could have played, I, it's off the soundboard. The drop is off the soundboard. Man, that stinks. Um, also, you know what I like? I like they have, like, little, like, um, sound. Tra- I have a few of them. They don't go for that much. Maybe now I'm pumping it up. Hidden gem. Little mini mini CD soundtracks of NES games. That came oh, out. I know. You Those, had a couple of them. I have a few. They're adorable. They're fucking adorable. I love the little mini CDs. Yeah, we listened to the ice hockey one. Oh, that's right. We did. Uh, here's the next one. Pat, Ian, what's, what's up? up? It's, it's Josh, Josh again. again. My, My question is mainly for Pat, so I have both the NES and Super NES guidebook. And I'm just wondering, is there a way to read these books? Because I usually just pick out the games that I played as a kid and read those reviews. Or should I actually be sitting down and should I read the whole book? Thanks. There's no, there's no recommended method to reading the books. I do know someone that read it front to back. A couple people that were like, okay, I'm going to read no, it front to back. No, but that is an interesting question, and it's yeah. one that I have a lot of times with these guidebooks, too. And I, I, I've found that I get the most out of them if I do. If I just start – I did it recently with Nintendo Dan's He-Man book. Just start at the beginning and flip through the pages from start to finish. Let's see what catches your if, eye. If it's stuff that's interesting to you, you might as well. Because it's a lot of fun to take those big coffee table books, and everyone does it, and open to a random page and just start looking at yeah. it. But, like, I have found with books like that that I've owned, you know, after a year, there's tons of stuff in there that I haven't seen because I keep, like, you're just opening, go through it in order. You'll have fun with it. Hey, Penny and Bruce from Virginia here. Just came across an article in the Wall Street Journal about a teenage pandemic reseller reselling things like PlayStation 5s at an obvious extreme markup. It's actually painted in a positive light, the article Seem to admire his hustle, making all that money, and things like that. Just wanted your perspective on why you think the Wall Street Journal is contributing to the problem by putting out an article like this. You think it's kind of runaway capitalism, or just kind of general ignorance to the issue? What newspaper is it? The Wall Street Journal. That is their bread and butter. Yeah, it's it, it was it's weird though because it's like it's still just this arbitrary well, arbitrage that they're they're. It was it was it's a sixteen year old. If it was a twenty five year old, they wouldn't have done the article. It's a sixteen year old kid. Yeah, that's that's why. Look look at his entrepreneurship. That's why they did it. Obviously, they should have said, "Well, this is wrong, and here's why." But it's a Wall Street Journal. No, they love that sort of shit. Hey Pat, hey, it's Brett from Whippany, New Jersey. Hey, uh, favorite breakfast sandwich ever. 
is toasted onion bagel, pork roll, egg, and Munster cheese. Nice. I was just wondering what your guys' favorite cheese is on a breakfast sandwich. Thanks. Bye. Uh, this is the same with omelets. I go Swiss. I like how this light Swiss complements it. I don't go American cheese is too heavy. Swiss cheese is my go-to on any egg substance is Swiss. That's what I use. Thin slice of uh, white New York cheddar. That is my favorite. The the best omelet I used to have, I used to go to uh, a diner in Jersey. I used to write, uh, bring my laptop and write, work on my screenplay. One of my screenplays, I've written a few. And um, they had, what was it called? It wasn't a southwestern omelet because you can get. It wasn't a Spanish omelet because every place has a Spanish omelet. It was a, I think it called a southwestern omelet. Bacon. It was an omelet with bacon, Swiss, salsa, and sour cream on the side. And I never found many diners that had that. And that was like the perfect fucking combination. I went there once a week and I would order that with nice. hash browns and toast. So I think they called it a southwestern omelet. I was like, well, this. Is- yeah, that's about right. Or Denver. Is that a Denver? Denver is. Swiss and bacon with sour cream Oh, no, and no, salsa? no. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, Southwestern. That would make more sense. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah. but I didn't see a little, In Jersey, they all had Spanish. The Spanish was just like, oh, we put salsa on it. Like, right. It's like, it's like, fuck off. Come on. That's not, that's not enough. But this was the combination of the, of the bacon with the sour cream. I'm fucking starving. Got to move on. Your boy Tommy just got back from Amico Fest at Crayola. We were live streaming, but the first thing we had to do was kick some Weisenheimer out of the chat room who said, Wow, nothing says kid-friendly like a bunch of sweaty old dudes playing the Miko. Listen, I don't care if you're the only one in here. Boom! You're gonzo. And for your information, those sweaty old dudes all said that there was absolutely no lag with controllers. I mean, did we actually show if there was lag or not? No, but why wouldn't you just trust these guys who are clearly friends of mine? And then we asked this kid if he noticed any lag, and he said... Well, he wasn't really old enough to talk, but he didn't say anything about no lag. The other kids that were there played the system for about five minutes and then pretty much spent the other four hours just eating crayons. I'm just glad I packed up all our stuff before those crayons started coming back at them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, Tommy. <laughs> oh, Tom. I, 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 you know, I'm glad that went well for you. I'm glad you pick up some new invest. You'll probably pick up some investors there that won't see any return on that investment. But, uh, oh, oh, we, oh well, we, there's a follow-up, though. There's a follow-up. Oh. Oh, and another thing. Somebody told me that your buddy, Frank Cifaldi, took that tweet I deleted a couple weeks ago and made it into one of those NFT things. <laughs> now, I don't know what that is, but it sounds like something he shouldn't be doing. <laughs> so, yeah, I went after him. You guys go after W10Apples. Boom! I go after Frank. Hey, I can play this game too, bro. I've been treating you the same way you've been treating me. You guys said you don't know who the Amico is for. I said you guys are a little stupid looking. How is that any different? Oh, and somebody on Twitter pointed out, your buddy Frank only preserves games from North America. Big deal. You can be any schlemiel off the street who can do that. Get over yourself. Your move, Geekazoids. <laughs> that was a little more combative, that one, Tommy. <laughs> Jeez, Tom. Come on, Tom. Don't go after Frank. Frank is like royalty in the, in the video game. He's a, he's a video game saint, Frank. All right, is that it for the podcast? That's it. We're done. Oh, people are like yelling outside. But this is a fun one. That was a good one. 
I'm gonna have some uh, some tuna. I'm gonna do some editing. Now, what are you gonna do eating the rest of the day? Uh, I'm going to go home. Going to uh, vacuum. Probably nap. I'm gonna go home, vacuum, eat lunch, nap, wake up, do the dishes, do the writing. Uh-huh. Probably do the writing. Uh, it'll be ready by tomorrow, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe make dinner. Okay, get the, get that southwestern omelet going. All right, for Ian, I'm Pat. Enjoy the rest of your uh, week, day, month, life, year. Wrong order. Bye. Bye.